0: of a great man, I'm back and I'm better than ever. It's a bigger moment when Bischoff hugged Vince, it's a bigger moment than when Tyson was first on Raw, it's a bigger moment when Mick Foley won the world title for the first time and it's a bigger moment than when Roman Reigns couldn't talk for 10 minutes. Forget all of the big moments you're going to have on Raw 25 this coming Monday, I'm back on the sun and I tell you what I couldn't be happier To be back. Hi everyone. My name is Rob McNichol, and if you don't know me, I used to be uh, used to be someone around these parts. I used to do a little bit of writing uh, for the Sun's website, and I'm very, very happy to be back with the show. Not a show. Not some show. Not the big show. This is the show. The Sun's hooked on wrestling. The show. This is a big moment for me. It's an even bigger moment for the man that you're about to listen to. This is my friend, my co-host, my colleague. He's the man I call Showbiz Paul
1: Benson. How you doing, Paul? I'm okay, Rob. Hello, everybody. Um, This is kind of uh, a new thing for me. I never used to be a big deal around these parts, unlike Rob, so uh, I'm nice and fresh. To be fair, um, mate,
0: I never used to be a big deal either, but if I tell them I was, they might believe me. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's that's my theory. It's reality, Rob. Right. I sense we've, conf- we've confused people already. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that already know us through Hooked on Wrestling and have been listening to this podcast for the past year, hello... Thank you for ever being with us again. But there'll be a lot, lot more people joining us for the first time, because this is the first week that Hooked on Wrestling have hooked up with my old stomping ground, The Sun, to produce this podcast. We're going to be with you every week. We're going to be talking all sorts of wrestling stuff, but this is not your run of the mill, let's talk about what was on Raw and Smackdown this week, let's talk about the upcoming pay-per-view, let's slag off wrestling for ages. We are Hooked on Wrestling, and our mantra is, it's wrestling, enjoy it. And we intend to do that. So every week we're going to come to you for around about a t- couple of hours. Sometimes it'll just be me and Paul talking about our old memories. Sometimes we'll have some cracking guests on. Who knows what will happen? We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some competitions. We're going to talk about ourselves. We're going to talk about others. But the point is we are going to have a good time. What also we have is a fantastic guest to start off. This is Let's call this week one of season two, if you will, to use the uh, the modern terminology. Uh, And here we have a legend, a genuine legend, the best in the business, the best ever, the Hall of Famer, Jim J.R. Ross. J.R. is on the podcast today. Uh, We'll be listening to the interview that uh, Paul and I conducted a little bit earlier on uh, with him later on in the podcast. Uh, It was an absolute joy to speak to Jim. I haven't spoken to him for uh, quite some time. Uh, But a few years ago I did his his first tour when he came over here to the UK uh, doing his one-man show and I had a great time with that. Uh, and I've worked with him on the uh, the London Wrestling Convention as well. Um, so they were great times, it was great, great to hear from JR again. The reason we're speaking to him of course is because Raw 25 uh, is coming our way this Monday from both the Manhattan Centre in New York and indeed from the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and that's what we're going to theme our show on today. So we're going to have a chat about Raw, its history, uh, some of our favourite moments uh, and things beyond that. We're also going to be touching on the Royal Rumble Um, because uh, again for those of you that uh, don't know what Hooked On Wrestling is all about uh, one of our main attributes shall we say is that we are promoters of live pay-per-view parties so if you've been to uh, one of the shows in various different parts of the world, uh, parts of the country, you may not realize that you were a Hooked On Wrestling show. We're going to tell you about that a little bit later on and how you can watch the Raw Rumble with us in the very best company going. But before we get into Raw, before we get into the Rumble, before we get into plugging our wares I thought we need to tell people a little bit about ourselves,
1: Paul. What do you think? Let's give it a go, Rob. Um, I, th- I think maybe we should try telling about each other, because then we might get some honesty. Oh, right. So,
0: <laughs> okay, so you don't want to basically try and plug all the things that you've done. and you... I think more to the point, you don't want me talking about myself for 45 minutes. I think that's what it is, isn't it?
1: Well, we might suddenly we might we might lose an all-time record number of listeners within uh, the first what six minutes if well, we go with that. One.
0: We shall see. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll start then from the very flimsy proviso that more people are likely to know me than they are to know you. Although, like I, say, <laughs> like I say, flimsy. Um, I first met Paul Benson on a very famous night. In let me see, I think it was May 2010. I think it was, I'm fairly certain it was 2010, Um, and the reason was, it was the day before uh, I interviewed alongside my former son, colleague, but still friend of mine, Joel Ross, um, we did a WrestleCast uh, with Ric Flair, Uh, those of you that remember the old WrestleCast uh, pay-per-view podcast, and some of you are going, I recognise that guy's voice, it just sounds a bit more nasal, yeah, that's because I've put on about four stones since then, Um, but um, Joel and I used to do WrestleCast after uh, Simon Rostein, and uh, we were doing the, the WrestleCast with Ric Flair, and uh, what we did in the hotel the night before was a few people that were going to interview Rick and were associated with the TNA tour all got together and I remember meeting this guy, he was this uh, quite tall blonde fella from somewhere unidentifiable in the north because he'd moved around a little bit, Um, thought he looked like he could have been an ever so slightly better looking version of Greg Davis but not so tall Um, and it turned out his name was Paul Benson and I soon uh, became aware that... uh, not only was he uh, a Grimsby Town fan, which was went against him a little bit, but he was actually quite a good dude. And it turned out that most of the time over the next several years that we uh, got together, we uh, started off in a group of 10 or 12, and we were usually the last two at the bar. And uh, more to the point we hit up a pretty good friendship. Paul worked for um, RDA Television, It used to sell the TV for TNA uh, all over the world, was very successful at doing so. Has worked with UFC, with Bama, and with lots of other uh, companies along those lines. He's got a, He's got a much longer CV than I'm going to give him credit for because he's one of those behind-the-scenes guys. Some of those of us that have done podcasts before and have done TV before like to uh, put our names about. Paul is a bit of an in-the-background guy. But as you'll find as the weeks go on on this podcast, he's got plenty of stories to tell. He's met lots of uh, wrestling's great names and uh, and got drunk alongside some of them as well. Uh, and Those stories will come out along the podcast. Um, I've been a bit nicer to you than I think you anticipated then. Is that fair?
1: I'm almost lost for words. You've kind of you've kind of knocked me off my path a little bit because I was ready to come back with a nice volley of abuse, but it, <laughs> I would feel like I was kind of being harsh and bullying after that lovely intro. So instead, I'm going to go with something nice. I'm I'm going to say when I met Rob, obviously goes without saying, on the same night. I was a yeah, little bit starstruck. Yeah, yeah, can
0: I just say, yeah, the, enough, if, the fir- if
1: the first time I met
0: you was a different time than the first time <laughs> you met me, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it?
1: Yes, it would. There's the old Blaine meme, uh, meme from, uh, from The Simpsons. That's the joke. Um, no, when I met Rob, actual fact, I was a little bit starstruck because I found out that Rob, oh, is, yeah. his alias at the time, he was working for a website um, called Football 365, which I read religiously every single day. And one of my favourite columns was by an anonymous uh, author called The Ref365, all about the rules and and regulations of the game. It turns out, it transpires, that Ref365 was in fact Rob McNichol. So straight away, because I quite like being friends with famous people, I got on with Rob famously straight away. And by the time I realised he wasn't actually that famous at all, then I realised he was a nice, great good bloke, and we've been friends ever since. Nice,
0: great, good bloke. It's not going to be quite yeah. super-smashing great. Super-smashing great. <laughs> variety. But if if Bullseye does get a, a rerun for about the fifth time, uh, then nice, good, great will be Paul's catchphrase when he hosts it. And actually, Paul knows everyone that works at Challenge TV, so he could probably get himself on that show if he wanted. Um, I'm going to say this, um, the idea that you might be friends with me because I'm famous is the is utterly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Paul is... Um, He does rub shoulders with some of the great and good, or some of the nice, good and great um, of the uh, entertainment world, hence why I give him the nickname Showbiz Paul Benson, because just every now and again he'll chuck in a little anecdote um, about someone he happens to know that happens to be on television and all this kind of thing. But uh, he honestly honestly doesn't do it with any sort of uh, sides to him. Um, So there's our brief introduction to each other. We were much nicer than I thought we were going to be, but we were also much quicker than I thought we were going to be, but I did anticipate that people either A know who we are anyway for listening to the podcast, or B don't really give a toss because they've tuned in to listen to JR. Um, well, JR will certainly be along uh, in a short while. We're going to uh, have a little bit of a chat about um, about the upcoming RAW this week. Um, the reason, of course, we have JR on the show not only because he's a legend, we could have him on any week because it would be fun to talk to him. But if you haven't heard, JR is going to be reunited with the King in the old Manhattan Center, the, where the RAW started. Uh, way back in 1993, 25 years ago, hence the, uh, the anniversary. And um, we're so excited to be here, JR, on calling matches on Raw again. Um, and so you'll hear in the interview, we're going to talk about some of our our favourite moments on Raw, some of JR's. Um, he talks about uh, his uh, tremendous book that he's got out, which Paul is uh, devouring as we speak. So I had to drag him away from the book to uh, come and record this. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a really fun chat with one of the great legends of our game. So uh, that's coming along in a very short while on the podcast. Um, but since we're talking Raw and we're talking big moments, let's come straight in with a big question, Paul. We like a big question on this podcast. We do. It's, we've been looking, both of you and I have been watching the, uh, the WWE Network's countdown of 100 greatest Raw moments. Do you have one? What is your tippy-top number one greatest Raw moment of all time in the Benson brain?
1: Very, very good question. I would probably say, um, for sheer shock value, what how it resonated and everything else at the time, my top raw moment of all time um, is the. It's probably Mick Foley's title win, actually. On the balance of everything, you know, who, what sort of product they were putting on at the time, who I was invested in at the time, um, from start to finish, you know, the fact that the absolute best underground hero in WWE won his unlikely first world title the pop that Austin got the roll up the, the rock and Vince McMahon played the whole thing to me and crucially it involved some wrestling and I don't think really I can say a best Raw moment should I think it has to involve some wrestling that did to me that is number one but I'm saying that we, in pencil because there's about four or five I could put in that spot if you ask me on another day
0: yeah definitely. I was certainly watching along the uh, the hundred count. I didn't watch every single one. that would have taken a long time, but I was you know cherry picking and watching some ones I hadn't seen for a little while. and I would often watch one and go, "Oh yeah, this was great. Why is it not higher up?" And then I would watch others and think the same and obviously these these top 100 lists are very um, you know very much in the the eye of the beholder. but um I would inst- there's someone you go with with instinct, and when I sort of sat myself down and I thought about that question. Knowing that I would ask it on the podcast and I would have to answer my own one, the, do you know the first one that sprung into my mind, in terms of something that just made me go, oh wow, in terms of the production of it, um, how I, I think clever it was, effective it was. I'm going to go with the night that the Undertaker returned. I'm fairly certain I could even give you the date. I think it was the 22nd of February 2011 because I seem to remember that the whole bill was over two 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 one one I might be wrong well I've been two twenty I've been two twenty one twelve or something it was certainly it was a combination of twos and ones but do you remember the uh, the vignettes with the um the, yeah. the, the, the shed in the rain and everyone thought perhaps it was going to be sting there's even some suggestions to this day that it was for sting or at least it was for ambiguity that if they had agreed to deal with sting it could have fit in but it was of course for the undertaker and he walked to the ring and before he could say anything It's time to play the game. And out walked Triple H, looked Undertaker in the eye, looked at the WrestleMania sign, they looked at one another, Taker did the slit throat gesture, Triple H did the crotch chop, they parted, and we had a WrestleMania main event. That clip on the WWE Network is around about nine and a half minutes long. There is not a single word spoken. No. There might be some shouts from the crowd, but not from Undertaker, not from Triple H, not from the announcers. Just a, a couple of minutes of Lemmy and then some crowd shouts, but that is it. It is a masterpiece of what I mean, you couldn't do that with anyone, you couldn't do that with, you know, you know, trying to build up a match between Drew Lu- Drew Gulag and Noam Dar with the greatest respect of them. You need to have a you know a historic career like Triple H and Undertaker. But to be able to just look at one another, look at the sign, do your, your little taunts and then get out of there. But everyone knew what that meant. And I just thought that was mesmerising how well they did that, and that was the first one that jumped to my mind. And I was actually surprised it was as low down as it was. I think it was in the 30s or something on that list. Well, right? maybe in the 20s. No, no,
1: it would no, no. It was in the, it was certainly in the top 15. Because I only really watched the top 25, and I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have put it in my top 20. I'm surprised you've gone with that.
0: Okay, that's fine. Again, these, these things are subjective. <laughs> we're not going to fight over the uh, the order of these things because we're simply going with the the ones that are in our brain. Oh no, I tell you, the one that I was surprised wasn't higher up. It was then. It was Ric Flair's retirement speech. That was the one yes. I remember watching. That one because actually I think I think Daniel Bryan's is above it. I think Edge's is above it. Um, there's a couple in that list that are, you know that are, that are further up, and, and Rick's is down on thirty something. And one. <laughs> I watched that. I watched that again yesterday, and it made me cry again. <laughs> I cry. I cry. <laughs> at that. I, cry, I cry, Not as much as Nate's did, but I cry at that all the time.
1: The one that got me, and I like I say, I've only to- watched the top twenty five, so I haven't seen the the others, but. I was very surprised not to see the uh, the Nexus attack in the top 25. I thought that I personally that'd be in my top 10. Oh well, in it's terms of impact and excitement. I thought it was fantastic.
0: Okay, well it's late 20s, early 30s then, because it was one I was looking forward to seeing, and it was I thought it was in the top 25. So if it wasn't, it was quite near the top of the the 50 to 26 section, if you like. Cause, uh, yeah, sure, that actually. is a that's an amazing. I think a lot of these moments over the years are ones that have made you go wow it's different I mean I suppose the Foley one is slightly different I would say the Foley one is it was a great moment and there weren't many title changes but that was that was fairly regular in terms of it was it was more like a pay-per-view main event than it was a uh, a, a TV main event but it was still quite within the, the, the borders of the normal storytelling I would say and I'm not criticising your choice I think it's a great moment um, but some of the other ones that do stand out such as The Nexus such as Triple H and Undertaker and I'm sure a couple of others will go on to um, they're ones where they really challenge the norm and they challenged what you would expect and then they subverted it a little bit and just gave you that little bit of um, uniqueness. And I think that's what that was about the, the Nexus when they came out. I, my particular memory of the Nexus thing was when it cuts to Michael Tarver and he stood in the crowd with that thing over his mouth, you know, the, sort of the mouth protector. That to me was a very sort of stark image. They suddenly cut to him and it's like, what's this? And then you gradually saw that there was others around, you know, Skip Sheffield and Heath Slater, and they all appeared and and did the the big beatdown. When I watched that on the uh, on the list, well, here's here's okay. So if you didn't see that on the uh, on the top 25, who was wrestling in the match that they interrupted?
1: Ha! CM Punk and John Cena.
0: Correct. Um, Why was CM Punk in a hood?
1: because I honestly could remember he, lo- he lost a hair versus mask match to Rey Mysterio um, a couple of weeks earlier and he did the gimmick where he wouldn't show his bald head to anyone so he wore the mask
0: ok that would have been around the era where they did the um, where he he sung the song to Rey Mysterio's daughter Is that, really that was same feud that creepy, same that's feud that's a great feud great feud super she's a hell of an actress that little girl I wonder if, she, if you think about how long ago that was she'll be much older now but I remember that little girl being a tremendous actress and acting really scared of, 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 of punk
1: actress what did she need to act about she was well, uh,
0: terrified <laughs> no, no I suspect she probably that was probably Uncle Phil I don't mean I don't mean from the Fresh Prince <laughs> but uh, I, I'm saying from <laughs> she probably knew I'm sure they had a conversation before they went out there I'm sure she knew what was happening but anyway like we we digress um, but you know obviously a punk moment was going to be high up we expected the uh the quote-unquote pipe bomb to be high, and I think it was number two. Um, sure. That yeah. was really that was always going to be a high-up moment, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was. I'd be tempted to go with it, it as one of my favourites. Actually, um, watched it again the other day and just thought it was phenomenal. I tell you, the one that surprised me um, how much I remember enjoying it more than I did at the time was the Occupy Raw segment with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Just phenomenal, and I tell you, who the MVP of that was by a million miles. It was Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, she, she she looked so furious. She was she's never been better than in those ten minutes. She plays that like I love the fact that she's the the princess of cool, and she it's her yard, and there's no one going to do what. She says, "Doesn't you know what what she doesn't want to happen?" And then, as soon as she realises she's lost control, she just goes bananas, and it's left to her husband Triple H to talk, pick up the pieces, keep it cool, and then he loses it too. <laughs> I just thought it was so well done, and the visual of that ring full of genuine wrestling fans as Daniel Bryan has, to me, that that's that is the image of Daniel Bryan's career. You know that. Sorry, that obviously is a title win with the confetti coming down and the two belts, but to me, that image of him and 45 wrestling fans in in Occupy Raw shirts is everything you need to know about how good that run up to WrestleMania was then.
0: That run was good. It was a bit of backtracking on their part, but they got there in the end yeah. and they produced uh, produced some good stuff. Um, a pal of mine I was talking to earlier on said um, uh, too much Triple H, he said. There's too much Triple H on that list. You can tell where they're being... You know, looking at him internally there's too much Triple H and I went well tell me what doesn't deserve to be there then because I thought all of his moments with DX or with Evolution and all this kind of thing all deserves to be there and here's the thing almost always there's the odd exception like when he turns on Sean when they're doing a DX reunion and others but a lot of the other ones Triple H is getting his ass kicked you know those moments like when Batista decided who he was going to pick to wrestle after winning the Royal Rumble um, you know, and things like that. It's that Triple H doesn't always come out. And you know, the you, you know, one you've just said about Daniel Bryan, he wasn't usually coming out on the good end of things. He was often, you know, you know that was the moment where the heel has to show ass, as the expression is. And um, I thought someone that was, you know, I think debuted on Raw in 1995. I want to say as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, you know, yep. the guy's been on Raw for 23 of the 25 years. He's going to be in quite a few of the moments. There's probably not been a single person that's appeared on more Raws than Triple H. Um, so I would think I would would cut him some slack from that Um, but you raised a very good point to me you you texted me yesterday and and you mentioned someone that uh, you thought was appearing um, a lot on the I'm going to call it the list um, and you said to me well I'll, I'll let you say what you said in the text but I thought it was a great point
1: uh, well, I sent you quite a few yesterday, Rob. You might have to elaborate. Go well,
0: what Well, you basically said you didn't really realise what a big Chris Jericho fan you were.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I, you know, I've been a bit of a detractor of Chris Jericho over the years. And I think it's probably because I just didn't want to be part of the cool crowd. You know what people can be like. Um, as soon as your favourite band gets famous, you, want to, you don't want anything to do with them. And I always thought, yeah, he's good. He's really good. But he's not the man. He's not, he's not had that sort of career that really makes you go, right, he's an all-time top 20 talent, but... You look at these You look at these moments and, A, his debut just literally had their hairs on the back of my hand um, standing up. And I've not seen that moment in, since it happened in, in its entirety. Loved it. Loved the anticipation. Loved the way his name flashed on the screen and everyone went wild. But the, the one to me that encapsulates it, I think arguably the best performance in the history of WWE. If you were giving out Oscars for individual performances um, in wrestling. Chris Jericho's role in the Festival of Friendship was absolutely immaculate. From the moment he appeared on screen with that cheesy over-the-top intro video to the moment he realized that he was the top name on the list of KO, he was absolutely perfect. And the journey he took you to remember, he was a heel at the time. And the journey he took you on in those 15, 20 minutes was just insanely good. And, and obviously, Kevin Owens played his part in that as well, being the sort of semi-reluctant guy who seemingly wanted to humour his best friend. But then you realise what was actually up. Just, just immaculate storytelling. I think, and I know I went wild about it to you at the time, but to me, that's the best moment on Raw of the past Five years plus. Absolutely incredible.
0: One of the funniest lines in sports entertainment history. It's art. You don't need pants. Just <laughs>
1: what,
0: what, what a line. Um, here's something. I'm going to introduce it. We're inside the first 15 minutes of the brand new era of the show, and I'm going to do it. One from the old days. Uh, something that everybody loves is the comparison between wrestling and football. Yes, it's something we go to quite often. I'm gonna say Chris Jericho. If if Hulk Hogan is Pele, and if Stone Cold Steve Austin is um, Zidane, and if John Cena is Ronaldo or whatever they might be, I'm not necessarily saying all those are spot on, but they're the big stars, they're the goal scorers, they're the the best of all time in their various eras, etc. etc. Chris Jericho has never been number one, has he? He's always been that just underneath. But everything he does, as he often say, best in the world. at Everything he does but he's always been good, in my eyes he's always been good, he's always been an important player, whatever it is he's been doing. I'm going to say, Chris Jericho, Andres Iniesta, maybe Xabi Alonso, he's a creative midfield player, he keeps the ball, he keeps things ticking, he might facilitate someone therefore that scores the goals and takes all the credit, but hey, Iniesta scored the winning goal in in a World Cup final, Chris Jericho has headlined WrestleMania. To me, Chris Jericho equals Andre Iniesta, except with better hair.
1: I think that's an amazing comparison. Actually, well done.
0: I wish. I wish A good I could. Start. I wish I could tell Chris, and he would know who Andre Iniesta is.
1: He, uh, <laughs>
0: hey, he give would. the man credit. You never know. We'll get some uh, some wrestling um, personnel who are football fans on in the future. I know Paul, Paul's dream. I'm going to tell you this, folks. Paul's dream guest. We, we may or may not get them I don't know how long we're going to be doing this podcast for but if we're doing it for many many years we will not rest until we get the bar on the show that's what that's, uh, I'm, going to, I'm telling you I'm telling you all now okay absolute explicit from day one we want the bar on the show because we love Seamus and Cesaro, we want to ask why one of them doesn't have a surname and the other one doesn't have a first name. We want to ask what the dynamic is between Switzerland and Ireland. We want to ask them lots of things, but mainly we want to have a beer with them and talk about wrestling and football. So that would be our um, that would be our key guest. If we can get someone on, we're after the bar, and um, we have been at the bar sometimes, but we want the bar on the show. Just putting it out there. But um, so we'll we'll do some more football references as the football as the podcast. Um, goes forward over the years I'm going to throw in a couple that I'm surprised that didn't make it one, perhaps it's just a little bit of a, a politics thing but I thought it was a fairly big moment in Raw, it wouldn't have been necessarily a top 50, but I thought in the bottom half of that list I thought we might have seen Joey Styles' little explosion I thought that might have been a yep. moment that was on there that was uh, that was missed off do you know what I think's the funniest Raw segment I've ever seen and credit actually the uh, the Price is Right segment is on there there's Jericho doing another side of his character um, but do you remember the dating game?
1: Oh, I do <laughs> I, oh, do I thought that
0: was absolutely sensational um, Regal, Santino Hacksaw Farouk, that cast of characters Umaga comes in at the end absolutely brilliant fun um, but that one I'm slightly joking about but what I want to bring up in specific, because it was quite low down on the list, I think it was in in the 90s, 80s, but I probably hadn't watched it since it actually happened, and I was surprised at how good it came across even these years later. The debut of Santino Morella, The Milan Miracle. Mm, do you remember, okay.
1: Do you uh, remember? Very vividly, absolutely. What do you think? Because I, I watched think it, you...
0: I watched it yesterday, and it was so much better than I remember.
1: Oh, it was it was really good. It was a classic underdog, you know, coming in from the crowd. In fact, it's probably... You know, you think of all the times that someone's come in from the crowd in inverted commas, Savio Vega, Steve Blackman, all those guys. I think it's probably, hands down, the best example of that we've ever seen. Um, I suspect it probably loses some of its luster because of what Santino went on to become. You know, not that he wasn't entertaining, but he was very much a comedy character very quickly. And it's very easy to forget just how much... Impact that initial segment actually had.
0: He's quite funny in that, though. There's just a bit of where he sort of says, Grazie, grazie to Vince, and the the whole audience laughs. It's just the way he says it. But the other point is, and that's the feud between Umaga and Bobby Lashley was not necessarily something that set the world on fire, but the things that happened around that, of course, the most famous man on the planet right now, the one that happens to occupy the White House. Was involved in a WrestleMania match between Bobby Lashley and Umaga, and here's, Sa- here's Santino making his debut, taking the IC title off Umaga, basically because of Bobby Lashley's interference. It's a funny sort of, you know, I think part didn't part of that that storyline go into the Vince winning the ECW Championship, and there's that's lots of, right, lots of weird stuff around that uh, that feud, but there's a couple of big moments. But what I picked out was in a foreign country where English was not their first language. And Vince was, you know, playing a, a strange heel in a strange hat, with a, with a, the character next to him being one a savage and the other one a cigar smoking Cuban or whatever he was wherever he was from, Alejandro Estrada. Vince was incredible. He owned the microphone, he owned that arena, and just every now and again, you know, we talk about Austin McMahon, we forget some other times where Vince has just been man alive, so good. Just owning what he's doing all the time. Vince is and Jericho is. It's a it's a it's a word that came up on uh, last week's show. The last of the old era of this podcast, in which we had uh, a guest on whose name is Ash Rose from a podcast called The Gorilla Position, which you should go. And... No, it's a pocket. No, we're not. We're, no, we're not doing that on this show. It is an excellent podcast which you should go and listen to. I am ushering in the new era of friendliness between uh, podcasts. We are not going to reveal the results, even though that show is taped. We are going to be nice to our fellow podcast, and we're going to start with the Gorilla Position. Hats off to you, gentlemen. Your show's very good. Okay, out of the way. Um, But yes, Ash Rose was on from the Gorilla Position last week, and he used the expression all in, and I like that expression. And Jericho and Vince, whatever times they've been doing stuff, they are all in, brother. And that makes a huge difference if you can believe in what you're doing. So was Santino when he was doing some of his more silly comedy stuff. He was always all in. And you'll notice if you go through that entire list, a lot of the better moments... Where people have gone absolutely 100% all in uh, to their characters. Would you agree, Paul?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it always makes such a difference. You can tell when guys are investing in it because you believe it. You know, I, I suppose the, the biggest example I can think of recently is probably the New Day. Yep. You know, as soon as soon, you could tell when they came together, um, it was pretty dross, wasn't it, really? There was, you know, what, three, you know, let's face it, put together because. You know they, they, the color of their skin or whatever you want to do, whatever you want to put it, um, and uh, they turned what was a pretty boring, dull reason for you together, doubled down, went as you say, all in, and I think frankly none of them cared about being fired at that point because they weren't really anywhere on the on the totem pole. so they were allowed to go balls to the wall, and they did, and three years later, so what have we got? one of the most entertaining acts around?
0: Well you know why it didn't succeed from the start, don't you? Go on. Guilt. Guilt.
1: So say that again.
0: Guilt. They were, they knew they were ripping us off. We were we were hooked on wrestling, it's wrestling, enjoy it. And they came on doing the power of positivity,
2: whatever.
0: <laughs> it was obviously a hooked on wrestling ripoff. Oh well um, quite and they quite. and they weren't sure and they wanted to do it and they couldn't but they knew deep down that they couldn't be heroes because they knew that they were basically plagiarists. So, what they did was they turned them a heel, because plagiarists are heels. You shouldn't copy people's work. And so, once they became uh, heels, they could go all in. And then, when they ripped us off, we didn't mind so much, because it was entertaining. And we've kind of forgiven them, haven't we? We kind of like them now. You may have. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, this is a new day for this particular podcast, as we are stressing. And uh, we are delighted that uh, Jim Ross has been able to join us on our... First show, so we're going to go. We're going to throw to Jim in just a second. It's a podcast that we uh, we did record uh, slightly earlier, um, but it was it was a cracker, and we're looking forward to uh, to uh, to sharing it with you. But before we do, we just want to tell you a little bit about who we are uh, in terms of Hooked on Wrestling, because as we pointed out previously, the main thing that we do, probably the main reason that you may know us, is for our pay per view parties all over the country here's what we do when there's a big pay-per-view for example the Royal Rumble which is coming up a week on Sunday on uh, January the 28th 28th, 29th 28th, 28th 28th it's uh, it's coming up very very soon and we want you to join us uh, for that particular pay-per-view hopefully if you're somewhere near one of our venues you will do so and what you will get from coming to a hooked-on party is many fold we have the famous hooked-on wrestling quiz we encourage wrestling cosplay you don't have to come dressed up. Many people come wrestling t-shirt jeans, that's cool. Many other people dress up as their favorite wrestlers or a particular costume uh, that they can find. Some prizes in it for you folks if you're the best ones. So that Some venues will get you up the front and will show off your costumes to people and if you're voted the best on the night we'll find you some pretty cool prizes. Um, there's other things that go on at different venues. Um, there's wrestling music that's played. There's other stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show we'll give you a full rundown of everything that happens but that's essentially our version of a pre-show and then once we get to midnight the rumble comes on and we will watch it all together you will be with dozens, hundreds maybe depending on your venue of fellow wrestling fans and it changes how you watch a show it is it is the second best thing to be in there, we have songs, we have chants, we have drink it's an absolutely wonderful way of watching pay-per-view and the best um, the best praise we've ever been given as far as I'm concerned is I've genuinely met people that have said that they came along on their own not knowing what to expect and they left having made friends and now they come back time and time again with the same people they have made real life friends people they drink with people they talk to on social media people that they share their problems with and they met at a hooked on wrestling party because we're inclusive like that you can come along and you will have a good time it's a little bit like coming to a singles club or something like that. You don't need to feel guilty that you're there because you're single. Because everyone's single. And you don't need to feel embarrassed you're a wrestling fan. We don't judge. We love everybody. So um, that's basically who we are in terms of those events. We would love you to come and share the Rumble with us. And what Paul is going to do is give a very quick rundown on the 14, yes, one four, fourteen 14 different venues uh, that we are running for this year. I think I might have miscounted, it, maybe 13, but it's um, it's only a lot of different venues that we're running for this year's rumble, and Paul is going to tell you where they
1: are. Yes, thanks, Rob. I'm glad you corrected yourself there, mate. Cause it yeah, is so it's, thir- 13. it's 13. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so as Rob says, we've got venues up and down the country, ranging from you know parties of 70, 80 people all the way up to 600 people, um, and groups coming. You know, we get people just as many people who come all by themselves, uh, enjoy it, meet new people, have a great time and then on the other hand we get groups of 10, 15, 20 people coming along so we'll go into more detail later in the podcast so you can give us a good flavour of what you want but right now you want the the bare details Um, and just to let you know we have got parties um, for Royal Rumble on Sunday the 28th in the following cities we are in London Manchester Birmingham Leeds Reading Sheffield Nottingham Bournemouth Glasgow Cardiff Derby Brighton, and Chelmsford. So, if you want to go to any of those those venues, we've got tickets available now from ringsideworld.co.uk and you can find out more information about all the individual venues on the events page at facebook.com forward slash h-o wrestling.
0: Later on in the podcast, we'll go into a little bit more detail about uh, each individual venue uh, and how you can go about getting tickets, how much they are and all that kind of stuff. And we'll leave that for later on, we sense that you don't want plugs flying at you early on in the show. Lots of you are here for JR and we're not going to disappoint you any longer so um, later on after the uh, the other side of JR um, we'll be back to do, uh, talk some a few more Raw moments and one or two other things that are uh, they're in our mind at the moment that we'd like to bring you uh, and also some more information about how you can join in our Rumble parties uh, and other things going forward. Um, but for now we were so so happy to be able to get um, Jim Ross onto this first show. Like I said, I did work with him a few years ago and so um, I've got a bit of a contact built up there. It's a privilege that I was able to um, uh, to work with Jim. Um, I got, was incredibly lucky to have done a few of the uh, the one-man shows, as it were, that people have done over the years. So with a group called PSI Events, I've worked with Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Jim Ross, Chris Jericho um, when they brought their shows over to this, uh, this country. Um, and to a certain extent I refer to myself as being the host of those shows and for people like Brett and Sean I suppose that was a bit more true because I was relaying questions to them and uh, and interacting and asking questions of my own but with someone like Jim Ross it was so easy to work with um, I did ask some questions of my own but for the most part it was Jim telling stories and um, giving you his real in-depth knowledge of the wrestling business and they were just such great shows to work on um, So when we were talking about our first guest for this particular podcast um, with raw 25 in mind um, we both quite quickly came down on Jim as being someone that we want to talk to, um, and we were gonna. We said, let's do you know a, a short interview just based on uh, Raw 25, and we'll mention his book and then uh, we'll move on. And in the end, we ended up spending around about an hour or so. Um, you, you'll find out just shortly. Um, it's a very very entertaining uh, look into Jr's wrestling mind. We talk about where he is at the moment in his life. We talk about Raw. We talk about his book and other things beside because very very rarely will you find someone more captivating to listen to um, it's, he is the voice of Raw he's the voice of some of our childhoods, teenage years growing up watching wrestling and we're happy to have that voice on the first of the new era of the show so uh, I hope you'll enjoy JR well with Raw 25 just around the corner one of the big events uh, for WWE this year we are so happy to not only have someone that's going to be on that show but let's face it the biggest uh, star in announcing history, the best announcer of all time. I'm very happy to say a friend of mine, Jim Ross, is on the phone. How you doing, Jim?
3: Very good, very good, guys. Cheers to you.
0: And to you, sir. It's been uh, it's been a while since we've talked, Jim. For those that aren't aware, Jr. and I, when uh, Jim came over to do his uh, one-man show here in the UK, I was very privileged to be able to uh, to host. We had a we had a fun week, sir, didn't we?
3: Oh, we sure did. It. A, I've never had, truthfully, and not just. Dis- uh, kissing ours here. I, I've never had a bad time on any of my trips to uh, the UK. You know, I, I you know, we, we want to come back over there soon, maybe in the spring, and do a big uh, Slavernocker book tour, do some Q and A's and some uh, other things, but but basically uh, highlight you know, underscore the book. Uh, and it's you know we kind of overshot our bounds in that thing. We didn't have any idea that the demand for knocker would be as uh, as strong as it was and it blew away the demand so the old basic law of economics built us on the backside. that we we had a book and we touted it but we didn't they didn't uh, send it, they didn't ship enough of them so I think that the folks in the UK now have Amazon UK that they can find the book and it's supposed to be in some selective bookstores as well so nonetheless it's been a fun project it's been a you know there was a interesting year in my life, to say the least, but uh, things are good, and looking
0: up. That sounds good, and uh, so stay tuned for that, everyone. There might be a chance to uh, get along and get a signed copy of the book in uh, in, the, in, the, in the new year. We'll, um, we'll chat about your book in, in just a second, because uh, I know Paul's been devouring it just, just just lately, and has uh, been enjoying it a, a great deal, but um, um, before before we do that, um, I just want to say it's a bit of self-indulgence on my part, but uh, on the WWE Network, there's a fantastic series called Legends of Wrestling. Um, which was done on the old 24-7 days, wasn't it, on the Classics on Demand, which uh, you're on most of those episodes. And there's one about the Monday Night Wars where you say the last person ever to speak on Monday Night Nitro was you. And I'm I'm very, very proud to say that the first person ever to go on stage on a Jim Ross Ringside show was me. (laughs) I will always have that. But um, they were just the most fun things, and I really enjoyed doing that with you. Did did the success of Ringside and and how much you've done that show um, all across the U.S., was that the inspiration for the book, or were you going to write one anyway?
3: Uh, no, the uh, I I I've, I had a a short list of things I wanted to do in uh, in in uh, in the part of re I guess you'd say reinventing myself. You know, when I left WWE, I think it was 2013. I believe it was uh, I don't I didn't mark it to my memory, but I thought somewhere I think it was. A, 2013. I do remember September the 11th. That's all I do that because not only is that historic in our history, unfortunately, but it's also uh, Paul Heyman's birthday. So uh, I remember these little things, right? So sure. in any event, uh, I just thought it was a, you know, I've I written and I helped write the Stone Cold book. I help i written and helped write a couple of cookbooks. I've had two New York Times bestsellers, which is kind of the yard marker uh, in some circles. So I thought, well, i got a great, I got a story to tell that probably identifies more of the wrestling fans and, than uh, anybody else's wrestling book, because I'm not, I was never in the ring. If, any, any wrestler writing his autobiography has got a whole different story, a whole different journey, and, and good ones than I do, uh, but my journey is more as a wrestling fan who found uh, a skill set that he could monetize and live my dream. Yeah. Even though I wasn't aware at the time I was in my 20s and getting this journey started, that the odds of me making it were hugely, hugely uh, against me. So sometimes ignorance is bliss, as they say, mm-hmm. and uh, not Alexa bliss, but just bliss in general. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I've got to live that dream, man. and I'm still living it. So uh, it's, it's life is good by and large. Life is very good. I've had some setbacks with my wife. Uh, you know, 10 months ago, getting killed. Uh, so, you know, I'm still dealing with all that stuff, and it's just an adjustment every day, you know, your you're around and your partner's not here. So it's a, it's a challenging time, but one others have faced as well, and one that I will continue to face and, and continue to prevail.
0: And we're proud of you doing so. Um, Paul, uh, my colleague here is uh, is many pages into your book, and uh, I'm sure you want to ask JR a couple of things about the book, Paul?
1: Yeah, I do. So, well, f- actually, first of all, if you, if I may, I want to go off the wrestling entirely for just a second because it would be remiss of me to not take this opportunity. junior I'm a big steak lover, but I'm, uh, uh, my steaks are always very boring. Salt, pepper, oil on the griddle pan, done. I can't think of a better person to get advice from. How do I cook the perfect steak? Please tell me.
3: Oh uh, well, I, what I, what I do, I'll give you some, some little, some very common sense here hint, hints. Any any pro any product you cook on a on your on a grill or like a steak or burgers or whatever chicken anything uh-huh. that you can season and leave in your fridge overnight will be infinitely better when you do cook it. So if okay. the longer something can, can quote unquote marinate or, or bask in the seasonings. Now we make and that's not a commercial plug here, but I make a uh, all-purpose seasoning that. Uh, uh, is really, really good, and it travels well. I think we're going to have, there'll be some at WrestleMania this year, and, and some, and WWE Shop sells it, but I don't know if they can ship to you uh, over there. I have no idea. But nonetheless, the key is using some, using a little bit of liquid smoke, uh, and use a little bit of, when you use pepper, use ground pepper. When you use salt, use seasoned salt or, or sea salt. Uh-huh, uh yep. then use a little use, use a little bit of that that liquid smoke. It's a marinade. You're you're making your own marinade and through the trial and error process you'll figure out you well, I want more pepper, I want less salt, I want more this, less that, would add that. You know, I know people that that, that over that marinate their steaks and like pineapple juice. Really? You can do all kinds of things. Yeah. So but the key is the word marinating. Give it a, a, an overnight stay in the honeymoon suite in your refrigerator and let them get to know each other. And the next day, you got it. So it's a real simple stuff, but it takes... It can't be as easy, and it's not. It's just going to the store, buying your steak, you know, bringing it home, throwing it on, throwing it on something hot and eating it. It's just, there's got to be a little bit more to it than that. And you can enjoy the experience a whole, a, whole, a great deal more if you just work ahead a little bit. So buy your, buy your steaks in the afternoon or evening. Come home, season them. Seal them up real good in like a big plastic bag or tinfoil or or whatever, seal it, and then let it set overnight for a few hours. Overnight's great. Longer's better. And then have at it. I think you'll see a big change.
1: Awesome, awesome, Rob. I feel it very much feels like I've just taken uh, painting lessons from Michelangelo. There.
0: <laughs> Listen, it's like a good wrestling match, Paul. By the sound of it, you can't just go straight for the finisher. You got to build up, get, get, the, get the crowd into it, and then you get the perfect thing. Do you, you know, Jim? Just before we just before we um, called you, we were talking, and Paul did say, oh, "I've just had my dinner." I said, "What did you have?" He said, "Steak wasn't all that good." I said, "You've got the perfect man." He was a bit. He, he was a little bit. Um, I uh, a bit of trepidation about asking you. I said, if there's two things JR knows about, it's wrestling and barbecue, so it's...
3: Uh, it's uh... Uh, well, grilling, see, there's a, there's a misnomer there, and we all make the same uh, error. Barbecuing is different than grilling. No, of course. Grilling not. is cooking something over on a grill, or, duh, over direct heat. In other words, the heat is right under the meat. Barbecuing is you put all your fire on one end of the grill, and, and you get your your temperature up to where you want it, and then you put your product on the opposite end of the grill where there's no fire underneath it. So then that uh, product is cooking on indirect heat. So the smoke that you create, which is why you want to marinate, which is why if you're going to use if you're going to grill, you can find some flavored uh, uh, barbecue. Uh, what do You call us the uh, I don't even I don't use I use a, a gas grill, but I have I have flavored. Uh, grates on it. Uh, I would say, um, I'm trying to think what the hell, the, the, uh, oh God, the, the the marinating and the using flavored like uh, hickory is a really, really good flavor to grill with. Hickory wood, any kind of fruit wood, cherry, apple, uh, a peach, peach wood, you can find it, pear, any kind of tree that produces a wood that produces fruit is a very nice accompaniment to your normal uh, charcoal briquettes or whatever you're going to use to to grill your stuff on the, on a grill. So it's a it's a it's a little to I I I enjoy the hell out of it. Other than when it's just freezing ass off my ass off outside, I grill about <laughs> once a week even in the winter time. I enjoy it. I enjoy. I don't nice. go out there for my can I go out there to cook cook something good to eat.
0: It's very therapeutic as well, isn't it? I enjoy cooking. It's just that uh, unfortunately here in England it rains about 362 days a year, so the, uh, the chances of us getting out in our garden is, uh, is limited. Um, Paul, we've done we've done the, the food chat. I'm now starving, hungry. But um, before we uh, uh, before we get ourselves some uh, something to eat, um, do you want to ask uh, JR a question about the book?
1: Yeah, I tell you, JR. You know, i have obviously I followed your career since. I was a WWE guy, WWF guy as a kid, so I've, I've known you since you came to that. But fascinating stuff about how you got started, and I'm sure. We'll talk about it a bit more later, but the one question that popped into my head, because I've just got up to your, you're about to jump from WCW to the WWF. And the thing that pops into my head that I wanted to ask you is, if you could think back to that time when you made the jump, now I know you weren't necessarily in talent relations right from day one, but if you had the power to take one guy over with you from WCW, and that could either be in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever you want, who, who would you have taken with you?
3: Mm, uh, well, I'd be foolish not to say Austin. Because we saw what Austin did when he got when he finally got on the team, sure. Uh, and so, and he set it on fire. Uh, he made everybody around him better. And uh, you know, he invents for the uh, the great uh, hero villain uh, combination. Uh, in my lifetime, I've never been around a better played out, more emotional, more productive uh, heel babyface rivalry than. Uh, than Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold. Sure. So I'd probably I be silly to say, well, I'd take, you know, there are a lot of good people at WCW, as a matter of fact, but uh, if you look back at it and use reality and you use basic logic, how could you not take Stone Cold? Because yeah. I, I, I thought he was, I said this, on a somebody showed me this on a clip the other day on Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter, at JRSBBQ, by the way, and uh, there was a cool uh, thing where uh, Austin was coming to the ring in a WCW match, and I said something to the effect of, if I was, if, I, if we were having a draft, and I, I would draft that man there as my number one pick because he's got everything you want in uh, a star, and I was talking about Steve. So uh, I saw it early. I felt it early, more specifically, because I had no relationship with him at all. Steve was kind of a loner. Uh, he didn't trust anybody. He was, he reminded me of, of a Clint Eastwood character in a movie, you know? He was the fastest gun in the West, but you don't cross him, type thing. And so I i didn't have, I had a very professional relationship with him, but I just saw from a fan's perspective and an administrator's perspective that he was special. And I think over time, that was that point was proven.
1: You know, it's a, it's a fascinating what-if, if, if that had have actually happened, because the landscape in WWF in 93 and 95 was so very different. you imagine him coming in and having fused with, you know, the likes of Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon and all those guys, and, you know, Bret Hart, that little bit earlier, it would have been fascinating.
3: Yeah, and uh, and Steve had had really good, solid matches with everybody on the roster, and that was, a, that's one of the great uh, charms of, of, of a... A tremendous main event level talent is that they should be able to have better than average matches with everybody that they're booked with there should be no exceptions to the rule that you can not go out and have a a passable match there's no excuse for uh you know for for sticking up the joint you, you shorten your matches you shorten your skill set you shorten your moose set. you tell a better story you do better selling blah 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 and it makes it work. But Austin could have the match. And here's the other good part about that. He could have just as effective, as good matches as a villain or a hero. And that's something that a lot of guys don't have that that uh, diverse, diversity. There, some guys are a lot better as a heel, and some guys are a lot better as a babyface. Rick Flair, for example, for much of his, his active career was a much better villain than I thought he was a a hero. Mm -hmm. Even though as he got older, he grew into that hero, legend, iconic role to where it fit him very well. But when he was younger and full of piss and vinegar, Flair was the, he was the top of the mountain as, as an amazing, amazing villain. Austin had the, I don't know that Austin was ever as good a villain as Flair, but he certainly was a better baby face as it worked out. And that's not knocking either guy. It's just everybody's got their strengths. Some guys are better in brawl or brawl type matches. Some guys are better in, in, in chain wrestling matches. Some guys are better doing spots. So everybody's got their thing, but uh Flair was Flair, or excuse me, Steve would have been my guy. Uh and that's nothing have anything to do with me not knowing me not knowing that he and I eventually would become good friends. Uh and uh so I'm glad that we are still good friends, because that's, that's something the business doesn't really pass along, fellas. Is that that eternal friendship? You know, uh, two old timers told me when I first started in the wrestling business in '74 that when you get out of the business, kid, you'll be lucky to have five friends that you could, five wrestlers that you can count as real friends. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were just miserable, crotchety, you know, cranky old bastards, but they were they were pretty damn accurate. It's just the way of the entertainment world. It's the way of the professional sports world. It's whatever world you want to call it, but when you're uh, when you're getting judged on uh, uh, discretionary uh, matters, uh, there you know it's all subjective. Of it's a very uh, lecherous and very challenging business because there's a lot of insecurity that's uh, that it permeates. So uh, it's but they, they were right, you know, the business is, But it's uh, it's nothing not I've done I would change. I mean, I've done some stupid things. I've been fired two or three times. I, I was hard to manage. I was a pain in the ass sometimes, no doubt. You know, as I say in my book, I, got, I found uh, that I could self-diagnose myself with uh, or self-diagnose uh, my sleeping issues. So I became very dependent on uh, uh, Ambien, I think it was. I haven't taken it in years. But the, the Ambien was my enemy or my I thought it was my friend because I had sleep apnea and didn't know that. But I just figured out I, I couldn't sleep. What the hell's wrong with me? So I just kept medicating, and I upped the dosage, and you know it's crazy. But uh, of all the silly stuff I've done, they they far pale in comparison to all the good stuff I've been able to do. And quite frankly, like you're talking about the raw 25, I got that coming up. So it's it's a cool thing. It's good. Life's good, boys
0: that must be yeah that must be so exciting we'll definitely again, we'll get to that in just a second i want to ask you one quick one paul brought, brought up the, uh, the the situation where you were switching from from WCW to WWF for the first time of course famously uh, of wrestlemania 9 that's right at the start of the raw era isn't it raws about 3 or four, uh, well two, 3 or 4 months old around at that point um, it started in that, in that january um, but f- for yourself personally just following on from what you were saying about you know, suspicion and, and that kind of stuff is it true that when you first went over to WWF you felt a little bit like there were some people that were eyeing you a little bit strange you know he's come from, from down south he doesn't belong here how long did it take you for, for that to go away do you think
3: well uh, thanks to Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain uh, it didn't take me too long I, I endured it quite quite readily. Uh, it was obvious, you know, cold shoulder here. People didn't want to speak to you. You know, he's the guy. He's the guy from the down south. He sounds like he's from down south. Why do we hire him? Blah blah blah. Or, nobody, not to my face, but you know, you hear the whispering and the little, you know, the innuendo ninth grade stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm on the team now, guys. I'm not. I'm not a double agent here. And I'll put my work up against anybody in, that's doing this for a living in the in the business, period. Right. So, and maybe someday I'll earn your respect. That's kind of how I took it. Mm-hmm. All I can do is work my ass off and hope that someday I earn all you folks' respect because I already have the respect of the top guy, the boss, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, who hired me. So, I just had to work from there and, and uh, but it was challenging at times. But look, I was living my dream. I, after 19 years, I finally made it to WWE. That's a hell of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says in well, today's there's The Indies have never been better. They guys say that, and they're probably accurate. They probably are true that they've never been better. But the guys that say that are the guys that don't have another option right now. Mm-hmm. What else are they going to say? I, hear, I see where guys are making a million dollars a year selling t-shirts. Hey, I hope that's true, but for some reason I think it's quasi embellished. But be that as it may, for me, New York, as they say, was always my goal. WWF was always my goal. It didn't—I I didn't have an overnight sensation uh, track record. Nineteen years, guys, nineteen. And I finally got my shot. So I was so excited to be there and have a job in the major league, the major league company. That uh, and you got to remember, I came from a, a company that had a revolving door of management. It was a, it was like a getting, it's like getting out of a clown car, a circus. It was just never ending. <laughs> so I was happy to finally get to a place that reminded me of when I worked for Bill Watts. He, there was never a gray area. There was one decision maker, and by God, he knew who it was. Yeah. He wanted to know what time it was, and not how to make the watch. And uh, Vince McMahon is much similar, uh, and nobody outworked Cowboy, hour-wise, creatively. He did everything, payroll, the booking, and then and and Vince is very much like that. There's nobody in WWE that works harder, or is more dedicated to the company than Vince McMahon. In a story, whether well, you love him or you hate him, you know I I work, for, I've been fired by him, I've been. I've been hired by him, I've been put in the Hall of Fame by him, I've been paid by him. You know, uh, things that he's been able to do with me and help me during my wife's death are private, but they're important to me and they're more important than any booking. So, uh, friendship and being there, having my back. You know, my birthday was January 3rd. I got two billionaires send me birthday messages privately, (laughs) Mark Cuban, Mr. McMahon. So I think my life is pretty damn good right now, and uh, I have had a bad hand or two dealt. But you know, you, you got to keep playing that cards, guys, or just get out of the game. And I'm not ready. To throw my, I'm not ready to throw my hand down for good. I got stuff to do.
0: That's fantastic, and we're really looking forward to uh, uh, to hearing your dulcet tones on, on Monday. Um, just uh, going right back to the start, though, as far as, as Raw is concerned, can you remember your first Raw? Because obviously you came in doing Mania, but you weren't necessarily doing Raw from the start. I think it was when Vince was, let's say, otherwise occupied, and you uh, you stepped into those shoes. But can you remember your very first Monday Night Raw?
3: I think it was uh, during that. Uh, the big thing I remember was it was during the time but I believe that... Uh, Oh heck Bret Hart had a great match with Sean Waltman on TV it was an upset the you know the one two three kid well you know it was just it was it was a moment uh, and it was a big moment for because we got I worked with Randy Savage which was never no day at the beach uh, and he and I called that match and it was such a out of the blue unforeseen match and it showed you just how great. Uh, Bret Hart was in that he was so unselfish and, and he really made Waltman better than maybe Sean was at that early stage of, of his career mm-hmm. but Sean Waltman was a, such a wonderful and uh, intelligent student of the game that he knew what his role was he knew why he was booked why he was cast in that position and he took advantage of Bret Hart's professionalism, and they killed it. So, uh, the, the, during that era, you know, we we, we were doing it little bitty uh, venues, you know, at like high schools, and uh, you know, we did something at a some small casino up in upstate New York, I think, maybe in the, I don't know, but anyway, it was a, it was very basic. I remember Bobby Heenan and I, and I think maybe Oakland shared a, uh, a room at this hotel resort where we had the Raw. And the three of us were sitting there laughing till tears were coming out of our eyes, because they had given Heenan the honeymoon
2: suite.
3: <laughs> so it had it had shag carpet, and he the big high spot was he was going to threaten to walk barefoot in the shag carpet, because we all kind of knew what the honeymoon suite might, what the shag carpet might contain. <laughs> so, uh, but Mons, you know, we were all shared that room and and. Uh, it had a heart-shaped bed and, and it had a, it was a waterbed deal, and it was just hilarious. But it was just it just shows you how much it's grown, you know. You go now they go to you know they go to London. They don't they play one venue, right? O2, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And the o is usually packed. It's a hell of a lot different than a, a thousand-seater. Definitely. Uh, and a and a heart-shaped uh, waterbed that uh, the announcers share. So, <laughs> but I remember that real well, and. and uh, you know uh it was an opportunity for me to establish my work ethic with these people that are new, new and to deliver the goods and the the way that I was able to deliver the goods better was the matches that were booked the booking was excellent and then the talents like a uh Brett and and Sean Waltman were they were up to the task so that was the earlier earlier days of that you know and hell not we didn't even have catering just all that roller eyes. What that mean? Well, if you're in a venue all day, you gotta eat to eat. Yeah, sure. You want your, you want your energy level to go to hell. So, I mean, we were in the, We were in there before. We had guys. We're get you a burger or something, you know, a sandwich. But uh, it's changed so much now. And I, um, on, on the thing on uh, Monday, you know, I think Lawler and I are going to be at the Manhattan Center. I'm told. Mm-hmm. I don't have any That's idea actually- what we're going to do. Yeah, I'm, I don't. It didn't bother me. I don't. If somebody's going to say. JR was on his podcast. He does not even know what he's gonna do Monday. Or, <laughs> or, you're right, I don't. But I know there's a, I know there's a wrestling match, there's gonna be a wrestling matches ongoing. And I think that we're gonna Jerry and I are gonna be asked to call the matches that emanate from the Manhattan Center. I have no idea what's gonna emanate from the Manhattan Center, what talent's gonna be there, what talent's gonna be in Raw. And,
1: how, how hot is that ticket going to be at the Manhattan Center? Being at the Barclays Center is one thing, but the Manhattan Center with what is it about eight eight nine hundred capacity?
3: Something like uh, that. It sold out in a minute.
1: Wow, wow.
3: Yeah, it sold out. It's about as fast as you could hit your uh, your key a uh, switch on your keyboard, you know, to, to order online. So the tickets are now. Somebody told me this, and I haven't looked because I'm not going to be buying tickets. Uh, but somebody said on the secondary market. Like Stub and things like that, those, those tickets for the uh, uh, Manhattan Center were high dollar. So I think they're selling, you know, there's, there's a few of them. So you're going to, that's going to be the hot ticket. A lot of people want to come back and see, you know, experience a Raw from that arena. And it would be loud, it would be passionate. I can't wait to. So that's what you you can't replicate that, guys. As a performer, you can't replicate that. Sure. It's the, you know, the atmosphere drives you to a different level. And I, I think that, uh, you know, was on Wallace podcast, this week, dinner with the king, and he's, uh, somebody said, you know, do you think you guys still got it after all these years? It's almost like you're, you get a little bit insulted. Okay, so well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? You mean, are you trying to infer that we're too old to be able to do our job? That we, we don't know. <laughs> You know, we don't know all the cute little names of the holes that have become famous online on, and the internet. I can tell a story. Lawler knows a lot of the wrestling psychology or anybody I've been around. So we'll be fine. And look, here's the, here's the easy way of doing it. If we're not fine, you can go on social media, buy on your keyboard, and just gut and quarter our ass. Who cares? <laughs> but, and and all, if you don't like it, change your channel. Don't watch. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to work our ass off. We're going to have fun. Uh, I you know but it's like the will there be any Bull Heart 1, two, 3 kid matches like that like those matches there I don't know that's up to the booking and the talent to go out and, and deliver but boy it would be nice if we had some of those because then we could really cut our teeth into what's going on and I don't know that there's going to be an hour of uh, uh, Manhattan Center then a then, then all of it go to Barclay. I have no idea. Are they go all the way back and forth? I don't know. I have no idea. It's an interesting way to present TV, considering you're dealing with two live audiences in two different venues. I'm really, I think it's got a lot of potential. And I'm, I, I'm very honored to be invited. To be honest with you.
0: It does. It has so much intrigue. And uh, just jumping back to something you said earlier on in the uh, in the interview, there you talk, talk about someone that can be a baby face or a heel, Jerry Lawler. Whether it's in the ring or out of the ring, there's someone that knows. Knows his role perfectly, and you know, if you look at, there'll be a lot of the fans that would only see, you know, Jerry as the as the villain commentator from those early days on in WWF, and wouldn't have seen his, his work in Memphis as the as the hero and whatever. But um, there's someone that knows his knows his role so perfectly. Um, you must be looking forward to uh, to hooking up with the King again. But uh, have you got any particular favourite memories of um, of Raws in particular with uh, with you and King that you got to call?
3: Well, you know, uh we we had so many that were great, you know. We had you know, he he came to my rescue on a variety of angles and storylines. They had that one with Taz and we all still laughed about and uh uh you know, I hit the I think I broke the candy dish over Taz's head and he yeah. broke a he something out uh, the car windshield or anyway, it was what it was. You know, I I never I was never in a physicality like presentation that I thought I was with the damn at. So that's just me. I'm kind of hard on myself and that stuff. But Jerry helped me out there a lot. I can remember one of the funniest things that was really poignant after the fact was I was the last guy in 2007 uh, announced for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in Chicago at the All-State Arena. And they did the deal. They took my video. And you know, I hadn't seen it. And uh, but was, it was very emotional. Really, really emotional. So how could this be? A wrestling fan going to the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding so uh, I kept trying to sit down, and the audience was giving me a standing—they were giving me a standing ovation—and it went on and on, and I still trying to sit down, and Lawler's pushed me back up. So he's, <laughs> he's basically goosing me, and where well, I would not sit, because he was being told in his headset, "Don't let him sit down. This is one of those moments." <laughs> so he didn't. He did his job, and uh, it was really uh, cool. And. Uh, but that was, you know, the part of Tom of Jerry in my work was the fact that we were, we were together psychologically and uh, pretty much across the board on philosophy, and we are the same basic age group. We were the same, you know, we got the same group, the same likes and music. He was a huge, Jerry's still a huge uh, Beatles fan. I mean, we can go to Liverpool ten times, and he'll want to go to the Beatles Museum ten times. and uh, but that's him so we were we just we are connected and uh, on the same page that's why we never we never had a free game we never had a we didn't sit down and go over the show we did I'll take that back we did at the insistence of upper management for a while and then they figured out that that we weren't doing Jerry any favors because he was it it, it sour not soured him but it it tainted his feelings he should be left to create on how he feels sure because if you let him do that and trust him to do that, he'll kill, he'll kill it, and he did. So that was how, That's how lucky I had it. You know, I had it where I just I show up. And here's your, here's the show sheets. Here's what we're doing. See you out there. That's it. That's it. What is, there's nothing to. Okay, now you say this and I'll say that. Then you say then you gasp and I'll laugh and you know just, come on. That's you, you hear that now on television. Where you think these guys are trying really, really hard to be controversial, or somebody's trying really hard to be a villain. It's very unorganic. And that that's not a, that just a WWE malady. That's the business in general. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I have issues with that philosophically, but that's just me. And hey, they're doing it now, and I'm not. And that's fine. I, do, I wouldn't want to do 51 weeks of television ever again in my life. I do it every week on, on Access TV for New Japan, but we take, you know, six, eight shows in a, in a, in a visit. So yeah. I'm not out there but a couple of days a month. It's good for me. So, but yeah, working with Jerry's is going to be great. It's going to be natural. And, it, and I know that we're going to be under a microscope. Well, they weren't as good as they were they used to be. Well, I thought JR was a little off. And the Kings yokes are getting tired. They'll, you know how the guy, that's how it's going to go, guys. Uh, we, we're expecting it. You know, we're not as good as Corey Graves and uh, Michael Cole. Oh, well, maybe we're not. Maybe that's why they got to the We don't. I've, I don't know. I've,
1: I've got a sneaking suspicion, Jr. That people are gonna, you know, people are gonna be so happy to see you guys back together behind the microphone that people, a, you're gonna kill it anyway, and b people are not going to be in the mood to criticise they're just going to be delighted to see you both
0: oh there'll be some also, no, Jim's right there'll be some but there'll be way way more that are appreciating it just they just happen to not definitely. be the, the nasty type that go onto social media as we uh, as we see they're out there but the trusters, trust us Jim there'll be way more people that will be appreciating uh, your work now and uh, now and then of
3: course and Jim well, here's, I'm, I'm here's what to hear. I'm, I'm glad to hear that and I think you're right uh, but hey at the end of the day fellas all we can do is the best we can you know, we we we're, we don't we don't write the script. We don't produce the show. We don't do the matches. We don't wrestle. You know, that's not what we do. We're describing what we see on our monitor. So, put something on our monitor that you like, and we'll try to make it better. Simple as that.
1: And on the other side of the coin, Jim, as well, we talked about your, some of your favorite moments, but. What, is there a moment on Raw that stands out either since you left the desk or on one of your sabbaticals where you looked at it and went oh, damn I wish I'd have called that I wish I could have been behind the microphone for that is there anything that stands out in particular
3: yeah the, uh, I wanted to call the uh, I wish I'd call the uh, Mick Foley's first WWF title win oh, yeah. you know I worked very diligently uh, with a certain amount of risk to get Mick hired after he had unsuccessfully tried several times, I believed in him. I still do, by the way. Uh, but I was—I had a Bell's palsy attack that sent me to the sideline. I think it was right in the end of '98, early '99. And my mother passed. We were, in, as a matter of fact, we were in uh, in London and uh, doing a called Capital Carnage or something like that. I can't. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh one yeah. Of,
0: one of, yeah, one of those, yeah.
3: Yeah, it was the U.K. pay-per-view. I remember it, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's when I got the call. And then, that's when I, then that, then a few hours later is when I had the Bell's Palsy attack on the air uh, while doing the show. And then that set me down for about three months. So, uh, But during that time, Mick won the title. And, of course, the, that's all been ballyhooed because, you know, the WCW folks had Shivani mention... That tony simoni mentioned about mick uh you know winning a title and whatever they'll put butts in seats or something like that yep. uh but it, it did, did yeah it, it did he's right they did put butts <laughs> in seats and they, it also got people to turn the channel uh so anyhow i i uh because of the journey that we had been on and me bringing help bring mick from to help bring mick from dallas and world-class into atlanta uh And all that was, uh, I think, finally getting him hired in WWE as a one-time-around opponent for The Undertaker, Uh, I was, uh, you know, I I would have loved to have been able to put the bull around that uh, first title win. But, you know, those guys did a great job calling it, and uh, execution was wonderful. So, but I miss being a part of that.
1: You know, it's really strange, looking back, because what was that, nearly 20 years ago, 18 years ago now, and it's one of those weird moments, and, you know, tell me if this sounds crazy, but when I think about that moment, and I often do, it's your voice, I hear on it, and then when you go back and watch it, it still seems odd every single time that it's actually Michael Cole. Like you say, not that he did a bad job, it just feels, over like over the years, it just feels like your voice is is synonymous with that, even though you weren't there, it's it's strange.
3: Yeah, it's, um, uh, it is well you know michael michael's not been dealt the best of hands there, uh, there it sounds egocentric for me to even frame it this way perhaps i shouldn't but i will because i already started a sentence and that is the fact that he's he's uh you know i was a, I, I got very lucky in how the audience had embraced me the jr the character because the thing about it is you know and rob you can you know this not a, I don't play a role of an announcer on television. I'm just myself. That's true. If you see me in catering, you see me in uh, 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 down the hall or shooting the breeze or whatever, you're not going to get a different personality or a different guy than you're going to get when the light comes on. So I embellish it. I embellish more. I get a little louder when necessary. But uh, I never played that role, you know. I'm, I'm always what I was. So the audience never had to see through me being phony, and I and I was not phony for 40 plus years, and that takes me through several generations, and it allows me to connect with multiple age group fans and audiences, former fans, this place fans, whatever. So I've been really lucky. But Cole had to follow all that, and then the fact that you know they made we made an issue on television my mom passing, and the fact that I got sick again, and my the, my face is strong evidence of there was a problem. You know, obviously, paralysis. So, uh, you know, I... I uh, he had to follow that. And it was... A lot of it was a tough hand. Mm-hmm. You couldn't write it. It's not television fodder. It's just real-life fodder that actually happened to me, and people could relate to it. People could relate to losing their a parent. They could relate to having an illness that they couldn't oh, control. They could relate the fact that there's no cure or no there's no cause or cure for this damn Bell's palsy, so you just uh, work through it. And but during that run, people they they embraced Jr. and, and Jr. embraced them back. And but and then Michael Cole comes in, and you know Jr. gets drafted to SmackDown in 2008, and Cole goes to Raw. Well, we all knew that was a sign of things to come. Raw's is the number one show. Which is why I've watched my run on Raw was the dream thing of dream job of dream job. There'll be no wrestling announcer, perhaps ever, or announcing team, uh, that will have a more significant run uh, at their in their position than Jerry and I and Paul Heyman that one year for sure. Uh, had with our with the Attitude Era mm-hmm. the biggest proliferation of television ratings. Ticket sales, merchandise sales, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in the history of the wrestling business, and we were the voices that were telling that narrative. So uh, I don't know that anybody's going to have that opportunity because the marketplace is so fragmented now. There's so many people that that uh, you know provide content that you know you don't. The audience is fragmented. That's trying to, my point I'm trying to make. So uh, it, it may not be replicatable, quite frankly. So for me. It was a dream job. It's like uh, I did Lawler's podcast I mentioned, and, and uh, he said, people ask him all the time, when are you going to quit wrestling? Now, Jerry, I think it's 67 or 8, And he said, I'm going to quit wrestling when people quit paying me to do it. <laughs>
2: good
3: answer. And and I thought that, you know, bravo to the king. Good for him. Why should he quit doing it? He's not hurt. He still can go out and have a. He tells a great psychologically uh, uh, sound match. Good storytelling. Yep. So, uh, you know, why not do what you like to do? You know, I've, we've all learned, guys, sometimes the hard way. Are, you know, as I say this in my podcast, tomorrows are never guaranteed, and they're really not in this world. So uh, I, 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 applaud, I hope he wrestles every weekend for the rest of his life. You know, what the hell? Why not? He's having a the time of his life doing it, he's good at it makes him feel good about himself, and what is it about you, Mr. Keyboard Warrior, that you don't like? You, Lawler's too old to wrestle. You know, yeah. come on, is that silly? that's silly. That shows your ignorance, so you, got to, you need to be quiet.
0: If you don't want to watch him, you don't have to pay to watch him, do you? It's just entirely your decision whether you want to do so. And as you say, if people are want to, wanting to do that, whether it's for a nostalgia hit, or whether it's because you're a fan of his or whatever, I'm totally with you there. I think that's... Uh, a very, very fair point indeed. Um, what I want to just touch on one particular um, uh, call uh, that you did, which I think is a very significant one in wrestling history. And I think it's one of those ones where it, it just added the gloss on a, on a wonderful moment. I think without a word being said, it would have been a great moment. But with your input on top of it, it made it that extra bit. I remember when we were we were doing the tour together and you would often talk about the the wrestlers providing the music and you adding the lyrics on the top just to augment it. And the, the moment I'm talking about is, is Tyson and Austin. You know, that famous um, incident in the ring, mm. the face off, the push, the pull apart. If there had not been a speck of commentary for the last 20 minutes on that show, it would still be a great moment and it would be remembered for all time. But your Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, and the emotion that you put into that, just it made it from a, a nine and a half out of ten moment into a ten, in my opinion. Um, is that a proud, you know, do you look at that as a proud moment? Because I think you should. Um, and just, yeah. t- just talk to me a little bit about your, your, um, your view in just what commentary is, is supposed to be.
3: I didn't know, uh, you know, the best work that Jerry and I did, or Paul Heyman and I did, uh, was the work that we were not completely clued in as to what was going to, to happen. And I know, there'll be some that will hear this and say, they'll roll their eyes Oh, come on, JR. That's, I mean, it's way, it's better. I'm better at being surprised than I am trying to be, get preconditioned. Now, on this move here, you got to act surprised. You know, God, stop it. <laughs> you know, I'm not eight. I do this for a living. I understand what my goal is to be. So on the Austin Tyson thing, I did not know what they were going to do. I knew what they were going to be, do was going to be quick and physical, and and uh, then a, then a chaos, right? So the issue you're right about laying out. I could have very easily laid out. And then what you do is that you know that 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 clip is going to make all the, uh, you know, all the all the news shows, all the sports shows, you know, TMZ, all those kind of things. It's going to get great television play. Well, Iron Mike is back, you know, blah 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 and so uh, and his adrenaline was running big time anybody gets to go back and see that they'll see it on Monday night he laid his shit in he bought it to Austin and I think it took Steve a little bit off guard and Steve came back with a nice little palm shot so uh, I wanted to be the one that had I wanted to dictate the right word or words and not leave it up to the commentators Mm -hmm. for the TMZ guys let's say for example I'm with you or a sports group, you know. I didn't want, I wanted to ha- at least have my submission on the record. And a lot of them used it. And it was about two things. Tyson and Austin. Tyson and Austin. To the world, everybody knew Tyson was. And, they, and you see him on your screen. There was nobody in WWE past, arguably, uh, are now as popular as Stone Cold. Great. So, you know. So all I wanted to make sure is that they got the names right. Be be honest with you. Don't screw this up. Well, the ball guy there is mad at the black guy. You know. Okay. Good job <laughs> reporting on that one. So that's kind of where I am, man. I uh, I just want to make sure that they got the names right. And then if I could use, I could do that for them and add a little little something something. Then maybe it, maybe it uh, helps the piece. and if it doesn't, it's easily edited out for future use. But uh, that was kind of the deal there. But it was a hell of a moment. There's no doubt it was real. It, it was it was something you could not plan for the reaction of. If that makes any sense. In other words, you got to believe it's going to be big. But how big? And man, we saw it, it was big.
0: Sure, it certainly was, and it was a moment that. You can trace, I think you can trace a lot of the, the change in direction from not just WWF at the time, but in, in terms of the war and all sorts of things, all back to, to that one night. It was a uh, it was a huge moment, and then perhaps... Uh,
3: what it did, what, what it did was exactly, and that's your suit on that, but what it also did, is set Vince up to morph into Mr. McMahon, mm-hmm. because as that piece unfolded and we laid out to hear the natural audio when it was there that you know Vince said something to the effect of, you ruined it off so you ruined it yeah, that's right. so that in that seed of this is my company you hard-headed bastard and you're not going to take it over and there is a set of rules and you are going to abide by them or I'll make your life a living hell that's the where it went and then how big that got you know the the 97 deal and uh or the uh, 97 deal was a pre-runner to that but you know what I mean the I, I, the Vince getting Mr. McMahon becoming more of a villain and having a personal keyword a personal issue with Austin that really that Tyson thing just helped enhance that it's like you know it was, it, it was water on a on a on a very uh, unique plant that you might not get to see grow again that's true so I thought it was, worked out really well
0: and it's you know, twenty years on and we're still we're still seeing that sort of antagonist authority figure against the you know, a rebellious anti-hero People are still trying to tell the same story. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do so, but you'll but you'll never quite get that, that white hot heat that you got back in ninety eight and onwards, will you?
3: No, no, you'd be better off if you can if you can navigate it, taking a different turn in the road and try not to follow the defiant baby face and the I mean, there's gotta be some differentiation There's got to be some exclusivity. There's got to be some uniqueness. If you are going to do the establishment, the establishment, and why is the establishment always evil? I don't understand. Uh, I, I, at the end of the day, it's like, can't we make a villain evil and make the company a victim of his lawyer or his contract or him, uh, him, uh, you know, tiptoeing around the rules or something? I don't because it's it's been the same now since mid-90s, and before that, the promoters went out of their way to make themselves look, you know, like local heroes, with, you know, charities and this, that, and the other, almost to a fault. So, uh, well, I I don't, you know, I don't know, I, I, uh, all that stuff is so so subjective, guys, golly, there's a lot of right ways to do something in wrestling.
0: There, there really is. We could be a, a very, very, very long time on that, and I don't want you to uh, to be late for Monday. Goodness me! Um, before before we wrap up, um, I would just want to say that um, you know lots of people there's a there's a bit of an out of sight, out of mind in some people's uh, in some people's views, and because you're not there for three hours on Monday, they'll be saying, oh, Well, what, what JR's not doing anything these days. And it's say like, you're probably as busy as ever, aren't you? In terms of you mentioned your new Japan gig, you've got your podcast, and um, you do your shows. You know you t- you'll be you'll be at WrestleMania. There's, there's, you're still keeping yourself plenty involved aren't you there's no letting up from JR
3: no I don't I don't see any reason to slow down uh, I, I can work smarter I will admit that uh, but, but my my WWE uh, commitments uh, Access TV commitments uh, you know I've done 253 podcasts missed a Week uh, new show every week all that good stuff so uh, I'm, you know I don't and I enjoy sure. that. I enjoy having a place to go express myself on a weekly basis. The book has got a life of its own. It's getting ready to go to its fourth printing. As I said, we we are going to come to the UK in the spring. You know, I want to go to the UK. I want to go to Ireland. I want to go to Scotland. I want I want to go to places that I have to rush and to make a deadline or make a plane. You know, uh, I want to be able to. I want to be able to get out and see the fans, whether it's a big. Of signing or not, I want to be able to to thank people for buying the book and for supporting my work. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I like I said, I've never had any bad moments there, so I'm, I'm staying busy as heck because it's a good defense mechanism, fellas, against grieving. It, it helps you, it helps you counteract it a little bit. I'm not yeah. over, it, but I, I staying busy is good for me, and it, it makes me stronger. And being around people that uh, are that enjoyed my work over the years and still do to some degree, who are, re- are reading Slobberknocker, uh, the story of my journey, which they can identify with, folks. They can identify with some wrestlers, as I said earlier. So uh, you know, I'm I'm staying busy because I think it's a great self-defense mechanism. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't I'm not as brave as I the front that I put up, but uh, I have had a I have had this life that I've had to deal with. Obstacles more than once, and this one was a tough, tough deal to deal with. Let me tell you. Yeah, I can. But I'm. I, I, others do it, and others will do it. It's on a hat. We're all going to go out the same way. So I'm. Uh, I'm going to make every day worth, you know, good and and uh, stay busy as I can. Get ready. You know, Paul O'Brien there, in, in uh, Ireland is my brilliant writing partner. He's the brains behind the outfit, and we're going to. We're definitely going to do a sequel to Knocker. We have movie companies interested in uh, optioning the book for for uh, movies, TV movies. Wow, superb! A lot of things are discussing it. You know how they, and I, I'm not in that loop. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm endorsing it, and I'm, I'm excited about it. We've got some very very strong people that have read the book. That make movies for a living and have made some of the biggest in Hollywood, and think it has legs. So all you can do is sit back and wait. So we've got a lot. We got a lot of good things still to come. And uh, so I mean, I'm enjoying all that a lot, guys. And this and Monday's Monday's not like going to a family reunion. Yeah. Maybe a dysfunctional family reunion, but a family reunion nonetheless. And a lot of our friends are going to be, uh, you know, congregating. And you know, when you get to the, when you're when you're on the back nine of life. Uh, the thing you realize, if you're willing to admit it, is that you know there's no guarantee that this group of people that you're going to see Monday night on your television are going to be alive to do this again intact. In Probably won't, unfortunately. So sure. uh, I'm going to take advantage of it, man. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be ready to roll. I'm going to be up, hit the hit the ground running on Sunday morning early and fly to New York City and uh, run into some of my buddies. And catch up with everybody, look at pictures. So that's the funny thing about all those old guys now. I figured out how to take pictures on our on our uh on our phone. So <laughs> you know, we all have this uh collection of pictures uh that we can you know, that we look we can we share. Oh, well, here's my granddaughter when she was three. Now look at this one. She was three and a half in this picture. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, That like, sounds familiar. And then there's guys like Lawler that is reluctant you know, to let you, you look know, at we this. Just,
1: I would want, most of all.
3: <laughs> so anyway, no, it'll, be, it'll be fun, seriously, it'll be fun, and and uh, I just hope folks tune in and and maybe we bring back some memories, maybe what you hear uh, resonates in a positive way, and we hope you have some fun on watching a TV show one night. So if we can get that done, then well, I think we win.
0: I love how you refer you to know- that as the as the reunion, because... Um, the last time you and I were together in person was at the uh, the London Wrestling Convention there uh, two or three years ago, um, put on by PSI Events, and I remember people saying to me, you must be looking forward to that weekend, you know, seeing all the people doing the signing and the shows and stuff, and I remember saying, yeah, that's fine, but I'm looking forward to the bar on the Friday, I'm looking forward to seeing all of these guys meet up with people they haven't seen in so long, and I really enjoyed sitting back and just watching this cast of characters that I grew up watching on TV, who hadn't seen each other for... Months, years, embracing, talking about the old days, and I was just the happiest camper in the world, sitting back, pint of cider, and just listening to you know to tonka talk to you know Typhoon, who was talking to the nasty boys, who was talking to the Mountie, and it was just, it was the greatest couple of days. And of course, me and you got to uh, to do the shows again on the on the stage, and that was fun. Brett and Sean were there. It, that was that was such a uh, such a fun couple of days. So I, I hope you have a, a similar sort of experience to that on Monday, because that was sure a good time.
3: I, uh, I will, and I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad you, you got good memories there. That was a fun event. But like I said, this goes hand in hand with the saying about going, coming to the U.K. I, I, uh, I've never had a bad experience. You know, I, I, uh, I just I haven't. And and the thing about it is that the older we get, the more aware of your surroundings we are. We, we, we are more aware. But the older you get, you really are disciplined enough mature enough whatever it may be to stop what you're doing appreciate those that appreciate you Mm -hmm. and it is very there's very few things in life if you if you're willing to exhale for a second that make you feel better than seeing and hearing people positively acknowledge your existence sure because if if the if I had taken different turns in the road instead of being on the stage, I would have been on that audience listening
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it's a, you never know where life's going to take you really you don't and, and, uh, and but again that tomorrow's not guaranteed stuff is it's really uh, the way that it is but I'm, I'm just you know it's been really good uh, the whole, all the UK stuff I've done and and you know I, I had a blast doing the ITV show. Oh, yeah, the course, world yeah. sport special.
1: Yep, I'll, I was in the audience for that.
3: I, I enjoyed it. I, I the the people that uh, that are in charge there at ITV are as nice, as smart, and as professional as anybody I've ever worked with. And uh, I would work with those guys again in a heartbeat. You know, if if uh, it ever if it ever came along. Uh, and I think that ITV should have wrestling. Uh, it's good for the business. It's good for the viewer likes it. It's established. It's just, people know you're They're going to watch. So uh, yeah. give them a good show. Oh my God, the UK's got a they're fertile. The the resting talent there is amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, so
3: it's, I don't know. It's never, be, that's me fantasy booking. I'm 66 years old now, looking for another gig. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, it's it's never been better. It. it was such a shame.
3: We got well, shut we got, me down. I think I'm done. I'm, I had too much coffee before you guys called, so I called.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's a pleasure. Listen, Jay, um, J- Paul's my inside TV man. The reason he's uh, uh, on the podcast and the reason that we got to meet was because he was working uh, um, working on uh, selling TNA around the, around the world and has worked within t- the TV industry. So he's your inside of uh, TV guys. He can update you on the ITV thing maybe.
3: Well, you know, I'm just saying that I know that there's still an interest. Because you've got guys that are decision making uh, and facilitating roles that are real fans, students of the game type fans, go to live event kind of guys like fans. So, uh, as long as there's that keen of an interest in that level of decision making, there's always a chance. So, now I don't know the it's ch- good chance, average chance, bad, not a, you know, whatever. I don't have any idea. But there are some pl- things that are in place there that I know that. Uh, Encourage me because I know that for a lot of people in your part of the world that having uh, a weekly wrestling show on ITV uh, is not a bad thing for them as wrestling fans. And here's the other thing about it. If, if a show like that catches on and gets popular, guess what it does? It makes all the other wrestling shows on TV have more popularity and have more uh Topicality. When WWE and Hulk Hogan went crazy in the mid 80s with all the the WrestleManias, I was in the wrestling business at that time, in a territory, getting ready to go to work for Crockett in Atlanta, for TBS, WCW. But in our territory, the proliferation of WWE at that time helped our business become more profitable.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So my point is, to, here's how I look at, it. as a fan and strictly just speaking as an individual, uh, as a fan of the of the genre of pro wrestling, I'm just saying that uh, a show on ITV, if well done, now if it, if it, you know if it bad, just, you're not going to do yourself any favors. But if it was well done, it's going to help all the other wrestling on television, because then all of a sudden wrestling will become more cool, more relevant. More popular, and that's what we all look for. So, and that helps guys like us, your, your, your podcast, my podcast, whatever we're doing, right? So, uh, you know, and 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 so that, that's more people can jump on social media, using wrestling as a conduit, and that means that we know how we can better find our audience. If we're trying to sell a product. That's a win. That's a win for marketers. It's, it's not just a win for the fans who like to watch headlocks or hammerlocks. It's a it's a win for people that are marketing any phase, or any aspect, any, any part of, of wrestling. So, I don't know. I uh, have, I may have this Pollyanna type view of it, but I just believe that you know I I plug a lot of things on my podcast, and you know, and I plug other guys' podcasts and stuff like that because I believe that if we can get more people to listen to wrestling podcasts, they might listen to yours. They might listen to mine.
0: I, here, but if we. I, I, here, here! I think the, the more, the merrier. I always think, and I know certainly oh, yeah. the, uh, my my first go round when I was working for the Sun as a as a wrestling journalist. Um, people would always think that the the people on the the Daily Mirror and the Daily Star and the other uh, newspapers over here would be kind of my enemies, and they wouldn't want to talk about them. They were some of my best friends. They remain some of my best friends. Most of the best friends I've ever met in my life have come from the people that allegedly were my rivals in wrestling. And it's like, just because we were on different sides, doesn't mean we didn't get on. And um, and we would, I would regularly say, go and read his stuff, and they would say, go and read mine, because. There's no exclusivity here. I, I, I'm always interested when people say, "No, I don't watch WWE. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of indie wrestling." It's like the idea that you can't be both, you know. And it's like, listen, they're watching. They might say that they're not a WWE fan, but they'll be watching the Rumble a week on Sunday. Um, who are they kidding? Um, listen, Jim, it's been an absolute um, pleasure talking to you again. It's been uh, it's been way too long. I hope we'll be able to do this uh, again uh, reasonably soon. Um, if you do make it over here uh, later on in the year, f- for one. Um, certainly give us a, a heads up and we'll uh, we'll bring yeah, you back on to, so, so you can uh, tell everyone where you're going to be and secondly we'll make sure we come along and see you because uh, I'm not going to let you come over to the uh, UK without coming mm-hmm. and having a, uh, maybe a gluten free Chinese with you or something like
3: that yeah there you go now you're talking my language <laughs> <laughs>
0: and if uh, I just want to point out for all the talk of your uh, your honeymoon suite on your first ever raw I'm sure that hotel wasn't as bad as the uh, the juries in Manchester sir what do you say
3: all right uh, they were A lot of the guests there were happy because it was Hooker Haven. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: I mean, the ladies of the evening were prominent and working, and uh, it was scary to some degree. But I can tell you this, my room was so small, I sat on the end of my bed, the end of my bed, and to change channels on my television. My desk on <laughs> my TV didn't have room for a chair. There was a desk, folks. No chair. <laughs> Why do you need a desk if you can't sit at it? There was no room between the end of the bed and my desk that was built into the wall. It was yeah, insanity. I, I thought it was. I thought it was like a. Uh, it, was, it was a uh, like pumped or something on on MTV. I was going to be a good. chair. it's really going to be pissed on this one. When he sees his room, his reaction will be priceless.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: if they had been there, it's priceless. All right. I went back downstairs. I I, this, I said. Really? You just <laughs> of a joke? Oh, I,
0: was, I, I was there at the time. I'm, I'm not going to swear on this podcast, but I remember. I, I seem to remember your your statement was that it had a, uh, a a bed was like a bag of effing marbles. I think is what you said at the time. And it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was a fun deal. It was uh, it was it was a fun week, and uh, it'd be.
3: Uh, hey, that was a that was a challenging uh, week. It was travel wise.
0: It was. We, we packed a little bit too much in, I think, didn't we, on the uh, on the minibus too there? It was, uh,
3: yeah. Too much driving. And, uh, uh, too much driving with no downtime. We were getting, you know, uh, it just was, you know, I remember going to someplace. We were, we were going to Glasgow or somewhere. And we got there, and I got a room for the afternoon just to shower and shave and iron my clothes. And then we did the show and then drove back to London for the airport, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I come, yeah, it was something like that. We did.
3: Something like that.
0: Yeah, I think I think it we, was, did, we did. We, you landed in London, and then we went. We did our first show in Cardiff. Then we went back to London. Yeah. Then Manchester. Then Glasgow. And then you're right. And then you went back to the airport. And it was. uh yeah, It wasn't our best. Um, wasn't our best effort logistically, but it was. Um,
3: no. Well, I had a good time. Good folks. Do it again, no doubt. I had yeah. a lot of fun. But the travel, I don't need to be in London three times to do one show. No,
0: that's, that's the. That's very true. But um like I said at the very top of this um at the very top of this interview, it was a, a real honour for me to be involved in that um right from the start. And every time I see see you wherever you are and whoever's hosting with you, I've always got a little uh, a little smile on my face knowing that I've got to be a small part of that. So uh um sure. we, we uh we, we did some work on those buses, didn't we, in terms of putting some stories in and taking them out and again yeah, and, and right. yeah. I I learned on that trip, you know, Jay I was talking about how we uh would like to call shows you know off the cuff and that's absolutely true by the way there's no BS there from him but don't don't, don't kid yourself into thinking he doesn't put the work in because we were we were sat on a minibus <laughs> traveling on the motorways of, of the UK working out what stories were going in that night and what worked and what didn't because this man cared about the audience and didn't just want to sit there and just answer any old question he came his way and i I hugely respected that and continue to do
3: thank you very much I enjoy it. it's, a, it's an honour for people to to, to give a damn, and I'm glad you're there. Much less buy a ticket to come and participate in the Q&A and the storytelling and all that. It's just a, it's really uh, heartwarming for me, and and I I can't thank everybody enough. So I'll keep you guys apprised of the for the next move, and uh, enjoy Raw Monday night, and you know better and better days ahead, guys. Better days are ahead.
0: Do you know what? Just listening to that back, and just listening to what we were doing at the time, Paul, with that interview. Isn't it strange? I don't want to sound too much like a giant big mark here, but do you not listen to JR and just think, I feel like I'm listening to the telly. It's a bit of a sort of strange phenomenon. I've actually I've met the guy a lot of times and spoke to him on the phone a lot of times, but even still you're going, that's JR off the telly. I wish I'd get myself out of that mindset. Actually, no, I'm happy to not get myself out of that mindset. I was just saying I no. Like being a fa- I like being a fan and I like having those great moments. It generally makes me smile.
1: Yeah, you know, more than anyone, JR is the soundtrack to WWE in my lifetime, and that will never change. You know, the most impressionable years of my life watching wrestling was soundtracked by JR and the King, um, and I, that was the first time I've ever spoken to him, and I just, you know, what what a great guy, you know, brilliant storyteller, very gracious for his time, um, clearly he's had sort of a rough year, but it's, you know, all the respect in the world for, Seeing the positives and and working his way through his his tough times, and you know he 's a bit of an inspiration to us all really. I wish I could be that strong in the same situation
0: yeah smashing guy the The, the two things I really took out of that particular interview, which I want to back up um one um is we didn 't really talk about it enough, but i I do think Michael Cole is excellent. I think if Jim Ross had never existed, I think people would be talking about just how great Michael Cole is. Um, not necessarily as the greatest of all time but up there Michael Cole is excellent he's, he's given a, some bad stuff to work with sometimes and that whole heel turn get him to wrestle stuff was uh, was abominable but generally speaking um, I think Cole is very good when he needs to be that's one point the second point is JR brought up the fact that what you see on screen is is pretty much what you get in real life and I can back that up in fact I would say that if anything the, people, the thing that people don't know about JR is what a great sense of humour he has he's a very funny cutting, witty guy and that didn't necessarily always come across on TV because he had to play the straight man um, but those of you that listen to his podcast and where he sometimes veers off onto little flights of fancy that you're you're a bit surprised at um, that's more the real JR I suppose, JR is, is a very fun guy uh, very opinionated but very knowledgeable and just a dream to speak to him if you enjoyed that hour um, then I suspect you're going to absolutely love the hell out of his book like I said I haven't uh, read it as yet but Paul is a long way through it um, a Paul, would you recommend it? I know you answered that question, but just do it for the uh, for the sake. Uh, but secondly, um, we ought to give some some proper pluggage as to where people can get the book from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a fantastic book. It's it's very different um, to sort of sort of the Jericho books or the Foley books. I I liken it much more to Bret Hart um, in that it's more of a document of a, of a man's journey through wrestling um it's it, you know there's a lot of nuts and bolts in there and a lot of business talking obviously jr spent a lot of his time as much of his time really as an executive as he has an on-air talent so there's some real interesting insights into how the business works and some of these roles that we we don't appreciate that are, but absolutely necessary to make these companies run right Um so yeah i would recommend it to anyone who's a wrestling fan anyone who's familiar with jr and his work um just to give you the full title the book is Slobberknocker: my life in wrestling um, by Jim Ross, obviously um, co-authored by a chap called Paul O'Brien who Jim mentioned um, and you can buy, if you're in the UK you can buy the book obviously and simply from Amazon.co.uk uh, and that's on hardback or Kindle
0: Excellent stuff, so it's the recommendation here. Um, the fact that you compare it to Brett's book um, again, um, back in my first stint around with The Sun, um, I was as approached to sort of work on brett's book a little bit on a, on a certain level, not on the actual writing of it, but um when the book was brought over from North America to Britain, i was um i don't know how I would prefer, put myself a consultant i guess from the from the book company that wanted some information on you know on exactly how to go about things within wrestling how to promote it, even down to little things at the, the front cover I got sent I should put this up on social media one day um but I got sent a, a mock up cover of what the uh it was going to look like uh, on its UK release and the most prominent colours on the mock-up were, were red and yellow and I had to go back and go um, Hulk Hogan is red and yellow Bret Hart is not <laughs> it's, like it's incredible isn't it to absolutely to incredible it's much more pink black and white can but, uh, you
1: can you imagine if you'd have not done that and Bret would have seen that book on the shelves can you imagine the, the fit of rage he would have thrown I know, I know. <laughs> anyway
0: that, I, I suspect they would have got there in the end I'm but, sure I'm um, sure but I did my little bit that I could to uh, to help them. And some of that ended up being facilitating interviews as, uh, as time went on to uh, uh, to shill the book, really. And I remember speaking to Brett around the time. It was the first time I'd met Brett, um, and we did an interview. And um, I recall him saying that he really loved Mick Foley's book. He read Mick Foley's book, maybe books, plural, at the time. Um, but he'd read Mick Foley's and loved it. But he read it and said, that's not my story. And that's where you got the Brett one from, because Brett read someone else's book and said it's great but that's not me yep. so he did his own side of the tale there's been numerous you know churned out ghost written books over the piece but um the ones that have tended to be best are the ones that have really come from the heart um, and I know that for example um Chris Jericho's books um, are not 100% Chris Jericho but they're as near as they've just got someone just tweaking it and making it um something else whereas other wrestlers have literally had someone else write it for them and they've checked it and gone yeah fine but Um, Brett wrote his own Mick wrote his own Edge wrote his own um, and Jericho as near as damn it wrote his own and from everything I know from JR Paul O'Brien is someone that's working with JR but it's very much in JR's voice and and JR is all over it it is not a a project that someone else is doing that Jim is kind of letting go I I know Jim and you heard me talk about that in the the podcast Um, this is a man that works diligently on his craft cares this is the whole point everyone don't think anyone has ever got to the top of the wrestling business that doesn't care little things like the Undertaker not being seen not with his gimmick and all that kind of thing you know for example we talked about the Ric Flair moment on Raw when he was retiring you never saw Undertaker on TV it was a little bit of a moment afterwards and even any he stayed in character that's why Undertaker is the best ever or one of the best ever because he's got that attention to detail and JR is right up with them. so like I said on the interview he might not have known what was coming but he would have been so prepared for whatever eventuality because oh. he knew his craft and knew his stuff and you have to tip your black resistol hat to that <laughs> as
1: far as I'm concerned Um, um on, Paul. yeah no I was just going to say I'm looking forward to seeing you know he mentioned that interview I, I detected a slight um, def, uh, sort of defence I would say maybe a slight resistance I think maybe he's expecting these keyboard warriors as he called them to come out and attack The work that he and the King do—he's probably, you know, seen some criticism over the years online—and I just can't help think I didn't want to go into it too much from interview. I just think people are going to be so delighted to see this wave of nostalgia led by those two for for the Manhattan Center portion of this card. That, yeah, you're right, there'll be dissenting voices, but it's just going to be great to see Jr. and the King back where they belong.
0: Um, two quick stories, one of which I'm sure I've told on the podcast before, so I'll start with that one. I remember reading after Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, WrestleMania 25, someone's online view was that um, I couldn't give, possibly give it five stars because Undertaker missed the dive to the outside. <laughs> and
2: it's like,
0: First of all, like anyone gives a damn about your five stars, mate. And this wasn't, I'm not saying this was Dave Meltz or anyone important. I'm saying this was just a random on the internet. Um, th- that seemed to think that people cared about his star rating. Um, first of all, if that's how you feel, fine, no one really cares. Secondly, if you can't understand the reality, you know, the real emotion that went into that match, and think it's all about a spot, you don't understand the wrestling business. And, it, and I just thought you need to lighten up. And there are people that are, you know, uh, that are out there. Um, and I have a great story from my other world, which is is, is working in professional football, is that my team Plymouth Argyle got promoted in 2004 they beat Queen's Park Rangers 2-0 to get promoted and to win the title on the same day I should have told this story to Ash Rose last week he's a QPR fan Um, but the the win put us up and give us the title on the same day it was the second promotion in three seasons and on that day someone started a thread on one of the message boards saying that the pasties weren't good enough (laughs) (laughs) and that is what some people are like and it is that you know I heard a great expression once that said if, if that guy could walk on water you would say he couldn't swim and it's, like, it's so true with some people they'll never be satisfied, they'll always want to have a pop at something, so one of the reasons again, it goes back to the point, JR cares so he will probably look at you know criticism or feedback because he wants to be as good as he can and naturally some people are going to go, yep, yeah, not as good as before, get rid of him and he probably isn't as good as before because he's not doing it every week, but none of us would be as good as before, but JR at 50% is still better than everyone else at 100 or near as damn it Um and so I think the reason that it will affect him is because he cares and also because, you know, he's a perfectionist. He wants to get things right. And don't forget, JR was one of the first adopters of of the internet, doing like his Ross report on a website and you know, he was really up there early. Him and him and Lance Storm and Matt Hardy are ones that jumped to my mind as really understanding what the internet was about years before a lot of people really cottoned on. Um, you know, I remember reading JR stuff very, very early on. So, you know, he gets it, folks, and that's that's part of it. And uh, if if you don't think that JR's performance on Monday isn't isn't any good, that's your prerogative. But probably don't go onto social media, tag the man in and slag him off, considering he's been the best around for 40 years. What about that? That's my that's my little uh, 2 penneth on that. Uh, on that particular subject. But listen, as far as Raw 25 is concerned, I'm really excited for it, Paul. I love these um, these sorts of events. I've got my um, ever so slight criticisms of them longer term, which uh, I don't want to steer too many people in the ways of plugs again, but I'm going to be writing about in a, in a piece on the Sump's website this week. But generally speaking, I do get very, very excited um, about these nostalgia shows. WWE almost exclusively do a good job on them, don't they?
1: They do, and I think what they generally do quite well is that they use them as a as a hook to further interest going forward. So you'll fee- you'll see very few of these sort of featured shows that don't have something quite massive on them. Um, you know, the the Nexus one being an example when they did that Raw pick your own match. There was um, God, my mind's gone blank now. God, that's really um, bad, isn't punk, it? punk 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 um, turning on the rock. Punk out that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Raw 1000, that's the, that's the most yeah. recent example. I think we are going to see something pretty damn monumental um, go down on Monday. Uh, I think it'll be a great, fun show. There's going to be some brilliant returning legends. There's going to be some less brilliant returning legends. I'm not sure anyone's craving to see the Boogeyman too much. Um, but hey-ho. Uh, but I, I think you're going to get a very nice mixture of of a bit of nostalgia some old familiar faces and then something to set us up for Wrestlemania season because my little theory is this excuse me the indulgence a second looks very much like we're going for Reigns against uh, Lesnar as the main event again of Wrestlemania now as good as those guys are and obviously we argue quite a lot that Roman Reigns is hugely underappreciated by the masses frankly that's not a main event that's going to grab a certain type of fan it's going to get the you know the the mainstream casual fans are going to be just fine seeing lesnar against reigns i'll be a draw to those guys but there's going to be a big undercurrent of fans and fans that go to our parties quite frankly who aren't going to be too thrilled with that and i think wwe knows that and i think we are going to see either one of two things we're going to see either an undercard loaded with matches to drag us in let's put it this way Rob if I said to you I know Lane's, Reigns Lesnar doesn't do a lot for you for instance but if I said okay we're going to get Reigns Lesnar as the main event but I'm also going to give you Styles Nakamura I'm going to give you um, Finn Balor against um, you know, Samoa Joe for instance for off the top of my head and I'm going to give you the uh, the Usos um, against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a ladder match um, are you skipping that show?
0: Me? No, absolutely. Not. I mean, I don't like ladder matches, but I take your point. It's um, yeah. Generally, generally that's not your point, is it? Your point is that there's other stuff. Sort of stuff, so,
1: exactly. Either that or this, I think is, the, it's this
0: is the this is the old this is the old um, you know, WCW argument where you might not have wanted to watch the old boys plodding around in the main event, but you would watch for the yeah, cruiserweights
1: and um, whatever. There you go. So, there you go. And I think it's like that on steroids. Um, and my pick. Can I just say we don't not, not actually. Oh. That's, that's a me- metaphor <laughs> just just let's
0: be careful we're this is in a new era but we have got to behave ourselves yes. so Paul, doesn't, Paul means metaphorical that's folks. a
1: metaphorical steroid um, oh, damn it I'm having to do wellness policy damn update. it oh it's a 30 day suspension already um, no I think my guess for what's going to happen and I'm prepared to have egg on my face in a week's time when we reconvene but I think we are going to see the march towards John Cena against The Undertaker start on Raw
0: well, there is a suggestion, isn't there? Is Undertaker confirmed for Monday? I think he is, isn't he? Uh,
1: yes, he is, yes.
0: It's not It's not just a rumour. He is confirmed for Monday. And so we have, at this time of year, plenty of times, uh, seen The Undertaker start his WrestleMania thing. I mentioned earlier on the, uh, the build to the Triple H one. That was in the middle to end of February. So it's a little bit earlier. Uh, this is a little bit earlier. But generally speaking... This is often Undertaker time. Um, they haven't really followed up the he's retired thing in quite some time. So I we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast, the last of the old era. Um, how perhaps this is the first tease. that it might not be by the end of Monday night we know it's going to be Cena, Undertaker. Um, for a start, like I said before, Cena's in the Rumble. So if we're going to agree some sort of Cena versus Undertaker match for Mania, then why is he entering the Rumble to win a ti- to have a title sure. shot if he knows he's going to wrestle Taker? So I don't think anyone will firm up a match on Monday, nope. but I think we may well have something. And I'm not wholly convinced that it will be Cena versus Undertaker, but I was fairly convinced that was going to happen five, six, seven years ago, and it's still not happened yet. But if it does, I, I fully agree with you. I expect to see something that at the very least heavily teases it and you know what mate sometimes they understand the online buzz and even if they're not going to do Undertaker versus Cena we still could see some tease Play. for that match on Monday night just to keep us all talking they might know Undertaker's not going to wrestle they might know Cena's not going to wrestle they might know that they're going to wrestle other people but they're not beyond stringing us along for another month and frankly if they do and they go somewhere else I applaud them I think that's pretty funny <laughs>
1: Well, it's going to be a good show, and I'm going to actually—I'm going to break the habit of um, certainly the last few years. I'm going to stay up and watch this thing live.
0: Yeah, it's my plan. Is it was—it was well, it w- I'm not going to be able to. It was sort of my plan for uh, for a little bit, but I'm not going to be able to. I don't think. But uh, it is going to be a proper shutdown of uh, of everything um, next Tuesday on terms of the social media front because it is. Uh, I do think that uh, we again we talked about social media earlier on with the JR, but. It's a great thing in some ways, we have the time of our lives talking to you guys on on Facebook and Twitter and and whatever and it's really part of our brand and and we enjoy it and stay tuned because in a a short while we're going to give you a a way that you can use that social media to to join in for next week's show and maybe even win a couple of tickets to a show of your choice. Um, But uh, before we get on to that, I'm just going to give you a bit of a negative side of social media and it is that sometimes we're so addicted to it, can't help but check it first thing on a Tuesday morning. And some people just can't help but you know spew out uh, an opinion on something before people have had a chance to watch the show, and suddenly, because you know that that's going to happen, it doesn't have quite the same impact, etc., um, etc. Et so um, I will do my very best to stay away from things next Tuesday and uh, I get to watch things on the Tuesday evening. But I, it's something I will, if in the old days when I didn't have a, a nine-to-five job, then I certainly would would have done so. Paul Paul doesn't have a proper job. Um, so he's uh, he's able to.
1: <laughs> Paul doesn't have a proper job.
0: Thanks, Rob. <laughs> he's, he's basically it, it's it's Thursday night as we're as we're recording this. He's probably already done a hundred hours this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this ha- happens to work for himself. So, I'm clearly exaggerating a wee bit there for comic effect, but. Yeah, Paul is the busiest man I know, <laughs> so, uh, it was a bit of an in-joke in me there, having a go at him, uh, even Vin, even Vince would go, well, oh, bloody hell, Paul's working quite hard at the moment. Um, <laughs> Feels like but, it. But uh, some of it was uh, getting our, we've got some new venues, folks, for uh, for, the, for those of you that are familiar with some of, some of our previous venues at our shows, we've got some new ones, and we've got some doozies. Paul was sharing some pictures with me earlier on, and there's some uh, some crackers. We'll fill you in on those in, the, in just a wee while. But uh, to, to put a bow, um, as our friend Conrad Thompson would often say, uh, on Raw 25. Apart from Brother Love, um, who are you looking forward to seeing on Monday?
1: Apart from our friend Brother Love, who am I looking forward to seeing? Um, well, The Undertaker for one. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the guys that we don't see back. From um, as often, so I'm look- I'm actually looking forward to seeing Trish Stratus. Right. I think that's going to be quite good fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing. Let me think. Who else? I hate when you put me on the spot like this, Rob. Um, look- okay, well, I'll g- to give to
0: give you a bit more time, then you- you're mentioning Trish being there. Yes. Um, could Trish, for example, become involved in a short argument with, let's say, uh, Alexa Bliss? Uh, and could Trish well, say, well, that I want to get phenomenal. my hands on you, I want to get my hands on you so much that I'm going to enter the Women's Royal Rumble a week on Sunday.
1: Ooh, I like that. I do think we'll see um, someone from, a couple of guys from that era um, in the Royal Rumble. I don't necessarily know if it'll be Trish, but wouldn't that be cool, eh? Wouldn't that be fantastic if we did? Well,
0: the, the reason I bring her up is that I know it's a different era these days with pay-per-view because of how it's presented on the network and they're not chasing pay-per-view buys so much but you still need to have a certain amount of things teased or promoted before the show to get people to tune in and I'm saying that let's say any one or two of Jacqueline, Molly Holly, Victoria, Jazz um, any of that sort of era of wrestlers or the next level on like... um, uh, Michelle McCool or Kelly Kelly or yep. Eva uh, Eve Torres or anyone like that if any of them are in it that's cool they're good fun um, bits of nostalgia oh they're in it great but I don't think anyone's tuning in for that I don't think anyone's necessarily going I'm definitely watching next Sunday because Molly Holly's on now, and I really rated Molly Holly by the way but I'm just saying of course. I don't th- She's she's an opinion former I don't think she's a, a market mover but I think Trish well, no, is people, and I and yeah, I think I agree Trish is someone because... you could promote to be in it. And actually, there is—it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Trish could win. Now, I don't—I'm not saying she would, but people may sit there and go, "Do you know what? If Trish Stratus is going to enter the Royal Rumble, she could win that Royal Rumble, and she could go on to WrestleMania to wrestle Alexa Bliss because they did that angle on Raw, you know, in a in a sort of Goldberg type of way." You know, maybe Trish is coming back for three months. Mm. I don't think she is. She's not long after having her second baby. I think it's not really in her interest. But, you know, she might just be able to turn up on Sunday, come in, and maybe she enters the ring and gets eliminated in 20 seconds by, I don't know, Nia Jax. And it makes Nia Jax look look the the business. You know, it it could be something little like that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily... I think she's probably moved a bit beyond... Uh, wrestling now and good for her now I, I think we're more likely to see like you, you mentioned a couple there like you, Michelle McCool's, um, Jacqueline Moore I reckon they're more likely to appear to be honest uh, but no like you said the ones that we're going to be tuning in to The Undertaker Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, is The Rock going to be there? Here's what I want to see I want to see a Kumbaya guitar off between Austin and Elias Oh, I thought you were going to
0: say The Rock. I thought The Rock can get a guitar out from time to time. Well, to say, yeah.
1: They can either, either, either one, but I think The Rock would be far funnier with it.
0: <laughs> I love Elias, by the way. He's another one I want to sit down and say, "Where's your surname, mate?" But um, you know, why can't they call you Sam-, Sam, Samson, and Langston, and and the various other things are sitting in a room somewhere, sad because they can't get used on television. But um, I love Elias. i like to Elias from the start. I Rare. think he's just an intriguing, an intriguing, fun character. I don't think that's a main eventer, but I'm not saying he can't one day sort of shift that and just become an ordinary wrestler. Hey, do you remember the Hi, I'm Dolph Ziggler?
1: Give me. Well, that's it. You've you know, got to start if, somewhere, if you can, haven't
0: you? If you can, if you can shrug that off, he's not even shrugged off his stupid name. I still think if he had a proper name, he'd have been a bigger star, Dolph Bloody Ziggler. But um, you know, he's had a pretty damn good career. And he started off with that lame as heck handshake gimmick. high I'm Dolph Ziggler. Like he was, was it, what was it from the Fast Ed Winchester. He got the Ed Winchester push from the from, from the outset. So um, <laughs> that was a pretty pretty tough position for him to be in. You know, one step away from being at the the announce booth and going someone's someone sitting there, mate. But it was really not a, a very strong position for him to be in, and he's done pretty well. So I I, I think Elias could make it. I honestly think Elias could make it a long way. Do you know
1: who I am out. looking forward to seeing? Who i am looking forward to seeing just just based on a reaction to very recent events the dynamic has completely changed chris jericho when it's not been long since he was a regular on screens but now he's gone off and done that new japan stuff immediately he's a very different chris jericho i would say what which which jericho are we gonna get are we gonna get the alpha or are we gonna get you know the old wwe chris jericho it's quite intriguing
0: what a genius. I know we've already talked about
1: oh, him in this podcast.
0: But what a genius. If, you know, people say about Kevin Nash being the smartest man in wrestling, yeah, maybe he is. Um, he's a pretty smart guy. But Chris Jericho, the change of character over the years, the, the examples on that list of great raw moments, the ability to do comedy, to be able to do straight-up stuff, he or babyface the lot. Jericho is a, such an unbelievable all-rounder. But here's the thing. It's his ability to keep on making himself relevant, that's the key Jericho is relevant at 48, 47 years old, and this is a guy that jobbed to fandango at Wrestlemania (laughs) and that was really the end wasn't it, do you remember when Mick Foley Mick Foley retired and was only coming back for big matches against people like Randy Orton and then he lost to Carlito at like Taboo Tuesday or something.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And he went bloody. Well, I think I might have beaten Carlito, but it's the point is he wrestled Carlito. I'm not I'm not slagging off Carlito by the way, but he was not a big enough star that should have been able to bring Mick Foley out of retirement. Um, and you're going Mick, what are you doing, man? And you know Jericho when he lost to Fandango, you thought that really is it? He's just he's happy to take the payday. You know, he's just going to put a couple of guys over, ride off into the sunset, sing some songs with Fozzie, do a game show, do a podcast, do a radio show, do some acting. (laughs) Yeah, he's a polymath, folks. Um, But no more wrestling. And then five years on, or whatever it is, he's co-headlining the bloody Tokyo Dome with the hottest act in wrestling. And it's like, Jericho is a genius. (laughs) And that was only, what, (laughs) two, three weeks ago, and he's going to be on Raw. insane, isn't it? It's just, that is... It's majestic. It really is. And I realised what I failed to say earlier on I mean, when we were in our favourite raw moments. Is that you said about the Festival of Friendship. Well I consider the Festival of Friendship the third in the trilogy. Yes. One of which other was was on RAW. The barbershop window is number one, Sean putting someone through the glass. Jericho putting Sean through the glass in the uh on the on the uh, Jericho Tron, what do you call it? The Jericho five thousand.
1: Something like that. I that Jericho before. Five Jeritron five thousand.
0: Jer five thousand. It was in there somewhere. Um and then uh, Owens then uh, repaying Jericho with the uh, with the last one through the TV. So that to me is that little trilogy. But also clearly that that Jericho Owens thing took from uh, the Rock and mankind's uh, this is your life segment um, massively so improved it. it. What, what I'm what I'm getting at is is I could see Jericho if they wanted to, and I don't think Jericho would turn it down. Was that if you were going to see that Cena Undertaker thing? Or something similar. Maybe it will happen on the highlight reel. It would not shock me if we get a highlight reel on Monday with the Undertaker, or with Brock Lesnar, or with Braun Strowman, or with someone big and relevant. And you go, you really, you're using someone like Jericho. who's just had that great match as a as a facilitator in that kind of role. Maybe you could because he's that he is that good that he could slip into that role and he could be just enough of an antagonist to. To kick something off, maybe it's not Undertaker or Cena's um, Road to
1: WrestleMania that starts on Monday. Maybe it's Jericho's. Could easily be, you know. Well, you know, obviously he's got concerts booked, but he's the master of deception. So you know, we could be seeing anything. He's, I'd argue, his stock has never been higher. Um, I would indeed. So he he could do practically whatever he wants, and if if he wants that wrestlemania moment if he wants a big match then i think now's the time to get it because he's gone away he's gone and proved his value elsewhere he's going to show that not only can he be successful and well paid elsewhere but he can be influential um and he can he can be a thorn in vince's side um if new japan is serious about expanding to the states chris jericho will be a very powerful ally
0: yes indeed uh, but um but Vince loves him to death, so Correct. you know he, he's got a great relationship with Vince. There's no way in the world that um, uh, he would have done anything. If, if I think, I genuinely think, if Vince had said, "I don't want you to do New Japan," I don't think he would have done it.
1: I think you're probably he, right.
0: He might not say that, but I honestly think that's the case. And it's like I once um, uh, when we did Ric Flair for for WrestleCast and said, you know, if because Rick called Sean Apparently, when Rick had a match again in TNA, Rick called Sean and told him he was going to wrestle again. And I said, if Sean would have said to you, "I don't want you to, what would you have done?" And Rick said, "I wouldn't have wrestled. He thought that highly of Sean and Sean gave him his blessing and said, "Do what you need to do, Rick, but Rick wouldn't have wrestled if Sean, well. He says he wouldn't have wrestled if Sean hadn't have been behind it. So okay. you know wrestlers have a lot of respect for one another and I think if if Vince you know who Jericho said he wouldn't work for anyone else but Vince, I think if Vince had said, please don't do it, I want you to do something here. I think Jericho I think he would try to persuade maybe that did happen and maybe Jericho persuaded him better. But it wouldn't have surprised me if Jericho had said, look Vince, the bigger I am for New Japan, the bigger I am for you when I come back. And that would be true, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Raw 25 um, comes this Monday uh, as we speak to you from the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn, New York, and from the Manhattan Centre in downtown Manhattan. Uh, You can watch it through your normal channels on Sky Sports in the UK. Um, and we are looking forward to talking about it somewhat next week. But mostly on the podcast next week, we will be talking about the Royal Rumble. I so said at the top of this podcast, we are not the standard, um, we'll just do a preview of a pay per view uh, gimmick, but we will be previewing the Rumble a little bit. And um, we hope to have uh, guests on with us to chat about the Rumble itself. Uh, and we also, here's the plan, everyone, but we never like to give too much information out. You never know what can go wrong. But the plan is a former Royal Rumble winner to be on this show next week.
1: That is the plan. It's going to be Vince, that isn't it? Is the, it's going
0: to be Vince. That is the plan. I'm not going to tell you. That is the plan. That is the plug. A former Royal Rumble winner to be on this show next week. So stay tuned, folks, for that. Um, before we uh, get into our final bit of plugging, as it is for the uh, the Hooked on Wrestling um, live pay-per-view shows across the UK we want to bring you into the discussion next week so we would like you to go onto to social media onto our
1: Facebook page we will put a Facebook post up or onto our Twitter where can people find our Facebook and Twitter Paul? so Facebook um, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling on Twitter you've got two choices we've got um the main Hooked on Wrestling page is HO underscore wrestling or you can join the Twitter page for our podcast which will become more and more prominent as the week go on and that's Hooked on Podcast at we'd Hooked on, on Podcast
0: Yeah, we'd love you to use the Hooked on Podcast if you could but what we were asking for you to do is to use the hashtag The Show, so capital T-H-E Show, The Show uh, is your hashtag for this uh, and we would like to know, we're not going to ask who do you think's going to win the Royal Rumble what's your favourite rumble of all time standard questions we're beyond the standard we are the show we are the questions and so the question what is your favorite elimination of all time that's the question we'd like you to answer so please go onto your social media on facebook on twitter hashtag the show and ask answer us as, what is your favorite elimination of all time and why Yep. you could have something that's very famous you could have something that's a bit niche you could have something that makes us go oh yeah you could have something that makes us style up the WE network just to watch it but crucially we want you to tell us and why because we are going to give away a couple of tickets to a show of your what? choosing I've decided I've gone ahead and the gavel is down we are going to give away two tickets to a show of the person's choice of the winner um, so wherever we are uh, in the country um, we will contact you and we will say where would you like to go to uh, to tickets uh, of your choice. If you've already purchased Royal Rumble tickets, we will defer and we will give them to you for Wrestlemania. We can't say fairer than that because we will be doing Wrestlemania shows all over the country as well. We'll get to that all in good time, folks. This road to Wrestlemania is merely a, a little gravel path at the moment, but it will soon become a six-lane highway as we get closer and closer to New Orleans in uh, March and April. Um, so, but for now, so we would like to hear from you what is your favourite elimination of all time and why. Uh, send that in and next week we will discuss all things Royal Rumble. Part of what we'll be discussing is exactly what we'll be up to for our uh, Royal Rumble shows in 13 different venues across the UK. And just to give you a chance to uh, to get yourself familiar with where we'll be and what we're up to. Um, Paul if he's ready because this is, this is his big moment <laughs> folks. this is what we build to on every show his mountain of information I just do the waffling he does the proper information and um, Paul is going to give you uh, our 13 shows uh, including the venues so we, last time we just gave you a list of the cities or towns um, Paul if you would if you could do so again but also tell people where the, uh, the venues are and if uh, there's any little bits of information that they need to
1: know I will do guys and I'll tell you who the host is for each party as well so please Excellent. bear with me we've got a lot to get through so we are going to be starting from the bottom we're going to be in bournemouth at sharky's sports bar with a host there steve linsky who's been a member of our team for a long time long time british referee amongst other things we're going to be in brighton staying on the south coast brighton's going to be at walkabout there um in the town center the party there is going to be um, hosted by two guys from the uh gorilla position podcast actually ash rose and skillet um, we've had Ash on the podcast last week um, he's going to be hosting down there for us we're in Chelmsford um, we are going to be at the walkabout in Chelmsford and the party there is going to be hosted by standout British wrestling manager Gilligan Gordon going way up north we're going to be making our debut in Glasgow also at the walkabout um, and we're going to have local guy uh, Jamie Kennedy uh, famous from ICW Kennedy. Kennedy, famous as a manager in ICW in latelier commentator in what culture and defiant wrestling um, he's going to be our host for Glasgow and that party is going like mad there's going to be 250 plus people in there delighted for our first Scottish show coming back down south we're going to be in Reading a walkabout in Reading is going to be hosted by none other than in my opinion the the he's not going to appreciate the uh, the comparison but really the godfather of British wrestling Doug Williams. Um, he's going to be our host for Reading once again. Um, we're going to go to Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield, we're going to be hosted by um, quite a. Uh, he's worked for us before. It's going to be Saxton Huxley um, of the WWE Championship Tournament, Muscle Cat, or you might know him as Wrestling Jesus. He's going to be hosting our party at the Walkabout in Sheffield. Um, also in Walkabout, we're going to Derby um and there we've got another standout from the WWE Championship Tournament hosting for us we've got Joseph Connors it's going to be a hell of a a hell of a party there at Derby Walkabout um in Birmingham we are going to be going to a new venue um so our old regulars will be uh, having a change of scenery. Anyone joining us for the first time, we're going to be at the Texan Roadhouse Barbecue and Grill. JR would love it there. Um, we're going to be hosted there. We've got a double team, a uh, tag team hosting there, actually. We've got Beauty and the Beast. We've got Dave Mastiff. Um, you'll know him from various British wrestling promotions and maybe ITV World of Sport. And, he's be- and, who's, and who's the Beast? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the other half of the team... Um, is Joanna Rose, ring announcer for Evolve Pro Wrestling and for Preston City Wrestling. Joanna's going to be joining Dave as <laughs> Which, one's beauty? Beauty? Which, one's, Which one's beauty? Which one's hey, Beast? Which one's Beauty? Which one's Beast? Hey, this is hard enough without you interrupting with your corndog chants. Okay. Corn dog chants? Um, okay. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I've got to point it out at Birmingham because I'm quite pleased with this. Anyone who goes to Birmingham, free nachos. Yeah? Free nachos. That's a selling point itself. Okay, not As if that didn't have enough selling points Tell That's clearly our best it. show Tell me about it, it's the place to be Nottingham uh, Another new venue for Nottingham We're going to be at the South Bank Bar Trent Bridge um, Right by Nottingham Forest Ground It's a bar I spent a lot of my time in In the uh, time I spent uh, living in Nottingham Just after university, I'm very familiar with it I'm delighted to be taking the event there Hosted by Richard Young um, Then we are going to Cardiff um, arguably our second most prominent host is in Cardiff at the walkabout there is our debut at the walkabout in Cardiff um, and we've got the lovely wonderful world-famous so Cal Val of Impact Wrestling and Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Cruise and various other ventures and Fight TV SoCal Val is going to be hosting at the walkabout in Cardiff and um, Manchester we've also changed venues and um, again of a broken record here we're at the walkabout there too in the print works right in the centre um host there a long time Manchester host the crowds there love him it's Danny Hope um then we go to we're going to walk up walk away from walkabouts now we're going to leeds uh, and in leeds we're a brand new venue also uh, i love this venue it's, it's the closest one to me geographically it's called the live bar it's brand new it's inside the victoria gate casino it's got a 32 foot video wall that can show 32 feet can show two different screens at once so argue we could potentially have two different things on Um, not that we would but yeah 32 foot video screen on the wall plus 41 other screens dotted around the bar you will not miss a second as long as you keep your eyes open at the live bar in Leeds Um, that's going to be hosted by uh, local comedian local TV star and big wrestling fan Ben Random Um, and then finally we get to London um, and we're at the Grand in Clapham Junction Beautiful old theatre. We've been there for just over six months now. They really look after us. It's a great venue. Um, that's going to be a sellout. We're going to we're expecting 500 plus people at the Grand. Can't remember who, who the host is for that one, unfortunately. Um, <coughs> oh. Rob, it's you. you. Yes, that's right. Rob will be hosting our flagship party in London, as always. We can't wait to get back there. Um, As I mentioned earlier, tickets are available from ringsideworld.co.uk, but also um, our website, hookedonevents.co.uk. Prices vary from venue to venue, um, but what doesn't vary is that you begin not only getting the pay-per-view, but starting at 8 o'clock, we'll be filling the bars Full of uh, wrestling tunes, classic and current, so you can really get into the mood. We'll do a wrestling pub quiz where you can win tickets to future parties. In some venues, you can even win WWE live event tickets and merchandise. Uh, What's the topics, Paul? What's the what, topics? Yeah, for the topics. Quiz? So we've got four rounds. We've got four topics. Uh, we got One is Royal Rumble, one is, oh, obviously. One is the history of Monday Night Raw, um, topically. Uh, we've got a round on wrestling firsts. And we've got a connections round. Um, bit cryptic, that one. You've got ni- ten questions. Nine of those questions are... The answers are individual wrestlers. Tenth question being what Royal Rumble fact oh, connects... All those oh, wrest- oh, right, Richard, Richard Osman. It, right, there on. you go. Yeah. So um, that's all the venues. Um, then we're going to... Also on the night, we'll have a fancy dress competition, a cosplay competition, which we get everyone up and... Uh, you know, get make a big fuss out of everyone, give prizes to the best competitions. Sorry, best competitions, best costumes. And... Um, you see some fantastic costumes at these events my favorite one ever is the the chaps that came as hollywood hulk hogan and a life-size wcw world title um fantastic inspired um so we'll, we'll we'll make a big fuss and in london actually we're going to be live facebook live broadcasting Um, our costume contest um, on the Wrestling Memes Facebook page that one could be quite good fun Um, and then also in selected cities um, and by selected city I mean London, Leeds, Manchester Cardiff and Sheffield we'll also be bringing wwe 2k18 tournaments and um, so we'll bring a big bank of consoles and monitors and you guys can test yourselves and find out who the best wwe 2k18 player at those venues are win prizes vouchers for video game stores beers that sort of thing um it's a riot it's going to be a riot it's not just about watching the pay-per-view if you want to do that you can stay at home watch it on your own we all can watch on the network um if you want to be surrounded by you know 100 or 500 of your fellow wrestling fans shouting, screaming, getting involved, building an atmosphere counting down every single entry in the Royal Rumble and getting very disappointed um, when it's one half of the Cologne Brothers um, then come along because if you've not been to our events before you will be very quickly hooked, if you have you know what it's all about and I'm sure we'll see you there anyway.
0: Well done, mate. That's a very valiant job. Woo! Gene, Gene Mean at his finest couldn't have done. that Was either. that our
1: event so centre? Was that the Hookton event that was, centre?
0: That was our Hookton <laughs> event centre. Jo- jolly well done, it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can't plug it anymore, guys. Um, if you're with a group of people or you're on a loose end on your own, book Monday off. You know, do it legit as well. We don't want you taking sickies, but book Monday off and come and see us on the Sunday night wherever you are in the country. If you've got any questions, please, we're really, really approachable. Um, our Facebook page is probably the easiest um, but Paul give them an email address just in case
1: you can get me on an email if you want give me a personal email address it's paul at hookedonevents.co.uk
0: so you can you'll get directly through to Paul but um, ask us questions on Twitter Facebook that kind of thing we've got an incredible uh, rating in terms of getting back to you really quickly Um, and we'll make sure that uh, any questions you have because it's quite intimidating coming along for the first time if you don't get what's on and, and all that kind of stuff but listen in terms of pricing, drinks, tables, you know, whatever question you have for us, um, just hit us. And no questions too daft either, we totally understand. Some people will email saying, I feel really silly asking this, but is fancy dress mandatory? And it's like, well that's not a silly question. It isn't, we would encourage it, but it isn't mandatory is the answer to that one. But any question if you think it's daft, don't worry, we've heard it before, um, and we'll be able to help you with it. So, we are immensely looking forward to the Royal Rumble, both Paul and my favourite event of the year, and we will be breaking it down Uh, in great depth on the show next week, um, and where as I said before, we should be having a former Rumble winner on the podcast as our featured guest, so we can't wait. Paul, any final words on this, our uh,
1: second debut, as it were, show? No, I'm glad we've got through it in one piece. Thank you for holding my hand, mate. I know you're the pro here, and I'm just a keen amateur. So, you know, thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you'll join us again next week. Um, and in the coming weeks hopefully we'll see a lot of you at our events across the country please do come say hi if you're in London let us know on social media if you're not Um, get involved with the conversation we'll read as many Rumble eliminations out as we can next week I've got one very very clear favourite that will always stand out as the number one to me I'm not going to mention that now I'll talk about it next week Um, but yeah let us know what you think of this podcast please do a lot of you will have been hearing it for the first time Hopefully we've, uh, we've got through it okay. We're not too uh, annoying so far. Um, we've got plenty of episodes for that left. Please let us know what you think. We love the feedback. Put it onto Twitter. Put it onto Facebook. Um, and let's all get involved. He's been Showbiz Paul Benson. I am Rob McNichol. This is
0: the show. We are hooked on wrestling. And our mantra is, it's wrestling,
2: enjoy it.